So, hey, hey, Fru, I have a question. What's up, Murph? I- is it okay if we commercialize our friendship? <laughs> a, a 10 plus year long friendship? We, can we can yeah. we make something off? Can we make content off of that? I think we I think there's content to be had because because you and I both have very uh similar ways of approaching the internet. Let's see, we have both have um a specific set of niche interests. We have certain, we have a specific set of skills. I was and, trying not uh, to go there. You know, I don't know about you, but I feel long ago I, I killed the part of me that cringes. And so I'm able to look at a lot of the internet with a more wholesome eye. Yeah, yeah. When, when, you, kill, when you kill the cringe inside of you, you know, you learn to just embrace it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy people make things. Oh, yeah. And, and that, the internet is a, is a scary and wonderful place. Yeah. And so we thought, you know, maybe it would be a, a bad idea... <laughs> if we work together to to look at what the internet has to offer and look at, you know, fandom culture mm-hmm. and such and whatnot, some some <laughs> artifacts from the old times. Yeah, just take a look at the at the grand oeuvre of this great human experiment of the internet and maybe even beyond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I am Murph. Uh, I co-host the Daydream cast, typically here on the Twin Geeks Network. And I'm joined here by Fru, who has been a guest star and lingering presence in the background of one uh, David Punch's life. That's what I do. I lurk. <laughs> I lurk Lurks and, around. I, She's and I observe. <laughs> very active on the Twin Geeks Discord. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, um, is it nepotism <laughs> that I'm using to elbow my way? in here with my um... is it nepotism because it was my idea not david's oh but yeah <laughs> no it wouldn't even be because i knew you before i knew david exactly so, exactly it was nepotism not... one way or another it's it, i'm i'm in either with you or with david you know yeah yeah you're the you're the little finger of the <laughs> twin geeks community i'll accept that i'll, I'll accept that that's lord not... peter frulish <laughs> I can already tell that this is um, a famously a, bad idea. This is a bad idea? Hey, that's the name of the show. <laughs> so what's your podcast about? You're listening, You're listening to... This is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Uh, so we've got some segments uh, in mind for this. We got plans. Um, I'm just starting with uh, what I call the decompress, mm-hmm. where we're going to kind of uh, talk about some like media and stuff that we've uh, consumed over the last few weeks. Give some shout outs, entirely dissimilar from the stacks office hours. Absolutely, no connection, no resemblance. So I guess the first thing on the docket is you wanted to call me out over my Nightmare Before Christmas letterbox ranking look maybe i'm just in denial i just think that it's still perfect for those who don't follow me on letterbox which isn't a lot because i don't do a lot with it but i I. did my most recent scoring of nightmare i did give it a five out of ten stars and i just i don't know man like the older i get the more like i'm just ambivalent towards it i'm like really excited for the first three musical numbers yeah. and then like literally the moment once jack gets back from christmas town mm-hmm. i'm like yep i i know how this goes 
Is that turn right around Sally's vision? Mm, kind of, because I do. Yeah. I do like Sally as a character, right. but I do genuinely think she's like one of the weakest aspects. Her, her role in the story is to be the buzzkill. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. She is the buzzkill. And Ooh, she um, has to be the voice of reason. Yeah, and originally I think um I may be misremembering this, but originally Dr. Finkelstein was going to be the villain. Oh, which, yeah. Which makes more sense from a narrative standpoint for mm-hmm. having Sally's presence. Right. Um but then I don't know at what point Oogie Boogie joined the script. <laughs> and Oogie Boogie is like one of the best Disney villains, despite having like five minutes of screen time and yeah. no setup. And all the sexual tension in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's just like, I think just the older I get, the more confused I am about what is the message <laughs> of Nightmare Before Christmas? What is the moral? Isn't it? Isn't it just appreciate... Your, stay your, in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah. Don't it's don't like, don't rock the boat. <laughs> Cuz I think a very modern like millennial take on it is like, oh, it's about cultural appropriation. But I always <laughs> felt that interpretation was very tongue in cheek because it's like I mean, sure, but also like Jack didn't start feeling alive again until he culturally appropriated. <laughs> so what's the message there? <laughs> it, you know, if you mm, if you look at it more like he lived a very vanilla life and then he he branched out and then he went back and was like, this is comfortable. I don't have to stretch myself out that far to experience the pleasures of life. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to defend this movie and I'm just like, I like the part where they sing. <laughs> so when, because when, you know Disney has trademarked that they're going to do a live action. No. Nightmare Before no. Christmas. You don't want no. Timothy Chalamet Ugh. as... <laughs> I imagined it. I'm like, he can't be that tall. You can't do that. Well, this... it's him or Tom Holland. <laughs> Standing on each other's shoulders together. Together they'll make one Jack Skellington. Yeah. I think I think the other thought I had was uh, Nightmare also kind of has the same thing with the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, which we may touch on later, <laughs> where it's kind of built entirely around extremely strong character designs yeah. and a very annoying fan base. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Jack Skeleton stands are really insufferable. <laughs> I We switched out the movie posters in our living room, and my dear partner asked me, is there any you think we should get? And I was like, I want the 3D re-release of Nightmare Before Christmas. And he was like, no, not that. And I was like, okay, I want a Hot Topic poster that says Bone Daddy on it. (laughs) When I tell you that I had a perfume that says Bone Daddy on it, it was... Oh, choices my. choices were made, my guy. Like, what did that smell like? All right, now I'm curious. What did that smell like? <laughs> Frog's breath? It smelled like um, never getting enough attention <laughs> as a child. It smelled like... There's nothing like... more suspicious than Bone Daddy. <laughs> oh, my God. It smelled like desperation. <laughs> <laughs> It was just, um, it was bad. I, I had so many shirts. I had so much merchandise. And that might yeah. be the only reason that I'm still defending this movie tooth and nail. Because I'll tell you, everyone, people who love Sally, 
all still have to agree that she gets all the smoke break songs in that movie. Yeah, I constantly forget that her song is in the movie. It is one of the most forgettable songs in the entire Disney canon. The only reason I remember it is because in the pop covers soundtrack, Fiona Apple does a terrific cover of it. And it's really? better than the one in the movie. Okay. I, I'm not... I'm averse to pop covers of Nightmare songs ever since that Panic at the Disco cover of Jack's Lament. <laughs> it's because Brendan Yuri thinks he can do the thing and he just <laughs> overshoots it every time. Well, other than Nightmare, I have um I haven't been watching that many horror movies yet. Mm-hmm. Um but I have been selling, watching something that's monster adjacent, which is something that I return to every October. Okay. Have you ever heard of a little show called Mountain Monsters? I feel like I might have, but let's pretend I haven't. I don't think this has much of a presence, which is strange to me, because it kind of feels like I found a treasure. <laughs> but also it's so... So what, what it is, it's a cryptid hunting show set almost exclusively in the Appalachias. Great. <laughs> and it's five good old boys um they're all like the majority of them are like in their late 50s with big old hillbilly beards it's like duck dynasty hunting bigfoot that that was the image that came to mind but the wild thing about this the only way i can pitch it is that it's like the wwe of cryptid hunting shows is it because like you know it's fake i have i have gone on their website i have watched like every second of the credits i uh, because what i'm about to describe like a typical episode is you're gonna be like there's no way there's no way they're trying to pass this right off. okay but at no point do they say this is staged this is fake <laughs> it is a cryptid hunting show where they always encounter the cryptid like you see it like sometimes wow sometimes okay. That's where production. it's like okay i would recommend one of the episodes it's like season three it's a season season three was exclusively different types of bigfoot (laughs) and which is weird because like episode three is we're hunting the chupacabra wow yeah the chupacabra up in the appalachias wow like the the leader the leader of the group the leader of the team it's like i've been hunting it for 20 years i've been trying to catch this son of a bitch and it's like they they make this big ass trap that's like a maze trap Every episode, they do a different trap, which is ridiculous to me. Wow. They make a maze trap to, like, hunt, catch these wild, like, packs of chupacabras that are wa- roaming around. Okay. And, and they catch it. Like, they always do, like, <laughs> one night, it. we're going to, one night, we're going to scout it out. We're going to scout out the area. And, like, maybe they'll encounter something. Okay. And then night two, they are chasing after the thing. The thing is, like, throwing rocks at them. Oh, my God. They're getting on the thermals so this episode's (laughs) no different and they 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 herd the chupacabras into the trap chupacabras yes it's multiple and you're about like (laughs) don't gird yourself gird yourself the twist is coming The the door the door on the trap shuts and the sides of the trap are rattling they're like getting the camera up close to like the gaps and you're seeing something large and hairy with teeth like darting by and banging against the walls what and it's like snarling and the entire team's like yeah we did it we did it they've all got shotguns all five of them are running around in the woods with shotguns at night um in one episode they shoot through a guy's like window oh my god um but then when the, when they're like they've got it all trapped and they're like yeah we found proof of the chupacabra they hear this howl off in the distance oh 
and they're like, oh no, that's the alpha. It's coming for its mates. And they like, they get in front of the trap. They're all like action shot, shotguns at the ready. They hear a crash behind them. They run around the outside. The back of the trap has been torn open. And they're like, dang it. We lost the chupacabras. And like one of them pulls up the thermal camera and is looking across this like river that they're near. And they see this tall humanoid figure pointing the chupacabras into the woods where the chupacabras are going. And he goes, wait a minute. I know that shape. That's Bigfoot. What? I think I figured out what's going on here. Bigfoot is using the chupacabras like we use hound dogs. What? Two minutes later, the episode ends. It's like, how do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? That's so, so much that- lore that I've never, I've never even heard of before. This sh- this show's so lore heavy. There's like, you just crazy make shit up. In season one, they go after Mothman, and Mothman gives one of them a heart attack. How? <laughs> With his powers. Um, <laughs> and then just the later seasons. I would say seasons one through three are pretty primo. Okay. Depending on your level of tolerance for like, very clearly bullshit. <laughs> but but the later seasons get so off the rails that it's almost like the shit that will rot your teeth. Oh god. Where it's like. They're literally going on, like, quests to stop magical entities. In one, they have to find and assemble this ancient tomahawk and prevent a clan of Bigfoots from getting it. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if they get their hands on it, they'll destroy the world. Oh my god! Uh, So this show's on Destination America. Okay, that explained everything. And I just... I, I go back to it every now and again to watch it because it is, when you're with, like, a group of friends, it is so funny. Because it's so... Oh, I bet. It's so easy to just, like, want something to go horribly wrong and have, like, the <clears throat> monsters be real. <laughs> it sounds perfect if you do have, like, friends that are down for kitsch. Yeah, it's very kitsch. Yeah, it's so... Oh like I said, God. it's just like the WWE of cryptid hunting shows where it's like once you accept the world that you're being led into on Destination America, it's so easy to get sucked into like, oh, my God, Buck's being possessed by the Cherokee devil. They got to wow. get him to the to the wow. medicine woman. <laughs> so if you have access to the show, I don't think it's on demand anywhere. Okay. Maybe on the Destination America website. Oh, um, God. But just, like, even just looking up clips on YouTube, yeah, you will get yeah. the entire vibe of this show. L- like I said, once you even just see the cast, you will get the vibe of this show. So it- it's a big recommend from me. Okay, okay. <laughs> what-, what sort of, like, Halloween content have you been adjusting? Aside from the regulars, like, you know, we watched Reanimator the other night. Every, maybe, one or two years, I get this horrifying craving for Gravity Falls because I crave comfort. In my life. Yeah. <laughs> and Gravity it, Falls is a good comfort show. It really is. It really is. And it feels more special moving a little more further south down the coastline because I feel like the weather here and the environment here is similar but very distinct from northern Pacific Northwest. So, like, it looks a little more familiar. Yeah. It looks a yeah, little more familiar I'll, now. I'll give you that. Especially because, you know, Alex Hirsch didn't, you know, make his show gray like you know mm-hmm. like northern washington and so it it feels really good if i love the show so much we watched summerweed which mm. i'm still very tempted to see if a watermelon jack-o-lantern will actually hold up to the elements maybe not i have with always wondered that yeah would it i bet it would look great at a party 
If it was like Would for one smell? night, you know, if you got it down to like the rind, you'd probably be pretty good. I guess. Yeah. Like, if it was for a night, like, if you did it, like, as a punch bowl at a party, I bet it would rock. Hmm. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. And so, Summerween, that's the one with the Summerween twi- trickster. Yeah, the one no with face the t- from... actually terrifying monster with no face. <laughs> yeah. Gravity Falls was one of those shows, along with, like, regular show. Yeah. Where you would point at it and be like, oh my god, the experience is universal. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, because the thing about the Halloween trickster is he's he's the manifestation of all the candy you throw out. It's He's loser candy. He's loser he's candy. peanuts and, and Tootsie Rolls. Yeah. And those horrible fruit Tootsie Rolls. The, like, the, the cream taffies that come in, like, the Tootsie Roll wrappers. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, otherwise I haven't really gotten any other good halloween watches yet this month i mean it's like only the spoiler alert we're recording this early in october no no it's mischief night it's damn a... it i forgot to plug that part ah, crap what better time for a bad idea than mischief night there i said it there you go there you go did you ever do anything on mischief night no it's on a sunday this year no well that's actually a little easier the only reason i know about it is literally like um oh my gosh rocket power Yes, I, had, I was just about to say, yeah. I only know about it from a Rocket Power from Rocket episode. Power, and I wasn't that cool as a kid. Oh my god, the experience is universal. <laughs> we were just on opposite sides of the country, intaking the exact same media and having the same experience. Yeah. It's poetic. Yeah. Have you watched anything else? Taken anything else to get spooky? No, but if you're into... Something with a sort of Gravity Falls energy to it. Ooh. I've got a I've got a web comic for you. Um, so this is called Blind Alley. It's mm-hmm. by an um, artist named Adam DeSouza. Okay, he sounds familiar. Um, you may have seen it get passed around because a few of the strips have gotten kind of popular. Okay. Um, what this is a web comic, um, done like four panels. It's done like a comic strip. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of the. How to pitch this? Just sort of the energy coming off it is very childhood innocence, but also that sort of point in your childhood where you're like trapped in your own head and making up like strange rules for everything. Mm, okay. And a lot of the care it has, I can't really name any of the characters' names, but they all have very distinct designs. Like one just is straight up like looks like Ness from Earthbound. And then there's another one that's like dressed like Max from Where the Wild Things Are. Yep, I pulled it up. I see exactly what you mean. It sort of has an ongoing plot or plot arcs that are operating in the background. Things about, like, strange shadow creatures in a surveillance state. But mostly it's about these kids just kind of interacting and yeah. contemplating the future and stuff. Yeah. Um, no, I like this. Oh one, my of, gosh. one of the most famous strips is, like... Um, three of the kids are like on a hill watching clouds mm-hmm. and one of them says like you ever think about how one day we'll meet someone who will love us more than our parents ever have and one of the kids in the back starts to smile and he closes his eyes as he thinks about it then the next panel he's like starting to cry oh my god and then the third one he's just sobbing as the other kids look to him and say dude are you okay <laughs> and that's like you know i'm not sure that's a punchline, but i get it i get it like yeah ow and it's and it's just a lot of that. It's a lot of just ennui. Yeah. I kind of wanted to pitch it as like peanuts, but every character is Charlie Brown. Yes. You know, that is exactly the vibe. I think I was getting off of the couple of strips I read. Um, so I think it it's really easy to catch up. It only started in May of last year. I think it really okay. only has like 
a couple hundred strips. Mm-hmm. So it's super easy to catch up. Sounds um, like it. It was nominated for the Ignatz Awards, mm-hmm. which is sort of like the um, indie comic mm-hmm. creator awards. It's very like press orientated. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to reading more of it. Oh um, yeah, I've definitely worked into my rotation of web comics. Very nice. Gotta check that out. Well, if we don't have anything more to decompress about, let's get a little let's get a little strange. Let's get a little weird. Let, let's um, get into it. Time for the next segment, which is dubbed the show and tell, where each of us have sort of found something um, on the internet to to share mm-hmm. with the with ourselves yes. and the audience. Yes. Um. What do you got? I give it to me. Okay. I'm ready. So I'm, I'm good. you know this is. This is a pilot episode. Yeah. Um, and they say, you know, always put your biggest foot forward. So I want to curse mm-hmm. our audience with the fact they'll never be able to unhear me say, I played a game called Anne Hathaway's Erotic Mouthscape. What? You'll want to say that into the microphone, Prue. What? <laughs> what is so, that? <laughs> so this is, this was a uh, a web-based visual novel, but really it's more of a text adventure. Okay. Um, uh, from a, from an <laughs> artist, a a shit poster called Lillian uh, Berhrent. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, her site is down. Um, but you can access it through the Wayback Machine, which is how I played this. I originally played it back in 2015. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so in this game, <laughs> uh, you don't play as Anne Hathaway. You instead play as um. The little sex gremlin that lives in her mouth. <laughs> I don't like those words. <laughs> you got to say these things into the microphone. <laughs> that was a left turn I was not expecting. <laughs> and it's just sort of your your feelings of ennui about being a sex gremlin in her mouth. Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> you grind against one of her teeth. <laughs> and uh, here, why don't I just read you some some select lines from this this masterpiece yes a lot of our show will probably be dramatic readings her mouth a fortress strong elegant jaws to protect you from predators you live in a toothed womb that's how it opens (laughs) and then let me see um so at one point you're exploring the mouth and uh it starts to all shake as she speaks wow Um, but you don't you don't understand, um, because to quote, tiny mouth-dwelling sex imps know nothing of human language. Oh my God! It is forbidden. Why is it forbidden? I don't know. There's lore. There's lore in this game. Um, <laughs> like I said, you grind against one of her teeth, which it does specify as the bottom right-hand second premolar. Ah! Uh. And you do this until, um, I want I want you to read. Oh no! This, this sentence here, if it will let me copy paste. Please don't. What does that say? What does that say, Fru? <laughs> what happens after you're grinding against one of Anne Hathaway's teeth? It says, "Fuck juice shoots out of you." <laughs> Why'd you have to read it like Glados? <laughs> I didn't think I'd make it through. I didn't think I'd make it through any other way. But see, this causes an issue because you rub yourself too hard and you start to bleed. Uh. And Anne Hathaway is a vegan. <laughs> you are always very careful to respect that. So you rush back to the tooth. You fucked to clean off the blood. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is, I'm almost certain, a shit post. <laughs> but don't you kind of want to believe? <laughs> believe that this is someone's highly specific fetish we might get into this later but there's a lot of content on the internet that just feels like you've been um subjected to someone's kink against your own consent (laughs) (laughs) yeah that definitely feels like it (laughs) so so dear listener you will never be able to unhear those words and it will gnaw away at you like a rot from within like uh, your crew, own little gremlin. Like your own little sex gremlin. Um, so what what do you have for show and tell? Mine's not as good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, Murph, how how familiar are you with spooky internet rituals? I <laughs> Um not very. There's the elevator game. <laughs> yeah, there is. And that's the Oh, there's the thing where you like fill a doll with rice and put your toenails in it. Yes. I've watched, I've watched some people do that. Okay. I got very nostalgic for my early teen days. As we're going to find out later, a lot of my 4chan trolling was taking place on the X paranormal board. Um, mm-hmm. And one night, a bunch of randos just got together and were like, we're going to summon the Midnight Man. And that's <laughs> the Midnight Game. <laughs> And I found the rules again, and I'm really um, wondering why we thought this would work. <laughs> we may touch on this in the in the topic of the week, but like the over under on doing like rituals mm-hmm. at a sleepover, yeah, to summon demons to kill you. It's such a trope, but has anyone ever done it? <laughs> when I was a kid at these like sleepovers, I was like, why? Because if it works we die (laughs) if it doesn't you made me get out of my seat well now you're the boring one at the sleepover i don't care i'm comfortable in my seat i had claimsies i know and we could have just been hanging out watching alvin and the chipmunks but no we're gonna summon demons and probably die we gotta pull up this youtube video that if you watch to the end you're killed oh my god it's like cool how long is the video 10 minutes god (laughs) (laughs) so all the lore and all the spooks are in the instructions for the midnight game and this post is like chronicling it's back in 2010 which I feel like I did this before then. The Midnight Game is an old pagan ritual used mainly as punishment for those who have broken the laws of a pagan religion. And I'm like, which Which pagans? While it is mainly used as a scare tactic to not disobey the gods, there is still a very real chance of death to those who play the Midnight Game. There's an even higher chance of permanent mental scarring. It is highly recommended that you do not play the Midnight Game. However, Billy, I don't want to be at your birthday anymore. <laughs> for those few thrill-seekers searching for a rush, or those delving into obscure occult rituals, these are the simple instructions on how to play. Do so at your own risks. And immediately in the next section under instructions, it just says prerequisites. This is everything before the game. Yeah. It must be exactly 12 a.m. when you begin performing the ritual. Otherwise, it will not work because demons are like really particular about time. 
The materials required include a candle, a wooden door, at least one drop of your own blood, a piece of a paper, door. matches or a lighter, and salt. If you are playing with multiple people, they will all need their own of the aforementioned materials and will have to perform the steps below separately. Everyone needs their own whole ass door? <laughs> <laughs> I think you all have to choose different doors. In the domicile that you are attempting to summon the Midnight Man in. Okay. Write your full name, first, middle, and last, on a piece of paper and put at least one drop of blood on the same paper. Allow it to soak in. Turn off all the lights in the house. Go to your door and place the paper with your name in front of it. Take the candle and light it. Afterward, place the candle on top of the paper with your name. Knock on your own door 22 times. The hour must be 12 a.m. upon the final knock. Then open the door, blow out the candle, and close the door. You have just Hold allowed- I 12 a.m. is when we had to, like, start assembling, not when the final knock had to be. See, they set you up for failure. You have just allowed the Midnight Man into your home. Immediately relight your candle. This is where the game begins. <laughs> you must now lurk around your completely dark house with the lit candle in hand. Your goal is to avoid the Midnight Man at all costs until exactly 3.33 a.m. Three whole hours? Should your candle ever go out? It One is whole end game? Yes! <laughs> it is because the Midnight Man is near you. You must relight your candle within the next 10 seconds. If you are unsuccessful in relighting the candle, you must immediately surround yourself with a circle of salt. If you're unsuccessful in both of these, the Midnight Man will induce a hallucination of your greatest fear until 3.33 a.m. If you are successful in relighting the candle, you may proceed. If you're successful in creating the circle of salt, you must remain within the circle until 3.33 a.m. <laughs> You must continue until 3.33 a.m. without being attacked by the Midnight Man or being trapped within the Circle of Salt to win the Midnight Game. The Midnight Man will leave at 3.33 a.m. and you will be safe to proceed with your morning. <laughs> Staying in one spot the entire game will only result in the Midnight Man finding you. It is highly advised you continue moving throughout the game. So... What do you win? Nothing. <laughs> you get to keep living with the knowledge I... that you survived the Midnight Man. <laughs> so if I invite the Midnight Man, could I just immediately create the Circle of Salt and then stay in it? I think so. Because <laughs> I don't... Re then I skip the whole thing about having to creep around the house and get hallucinated. I... Really scared the shit out of me as a fifteen-year-old. So, <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever attempt it or get close to? I mean, we all just everyone in that thread supposedly was like, "Yeah, I turned my lights off. What are you doing?" And like one guy was like, "I did it. I sliced my fingy open, and I have put my name in front of the door with the blood and the candle. And oh my god, there's noises in the house." And that was like the entire thread. For two hours. <laughs> and then he just disappeared and we're all like, ooh, spooky. <laughs> what do you picture the Midnight Man looks like? Mm. He's probably got a top hat. I imagine he looks vague. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe the attacker? I don't know, kind of vague looking. <laughs> 
He looked more like a concept. An emotion. He looked like a vibe. Well, I think we can call that a successful show and tell. I think so. Um, Everyone go put an apple on teacher's desk. (laughs) Um, So we're going to move on to uh, the wild card segment. Now, the thing about the wild card segment is that it's going to uh, change up from uh, week to week, Mm -hmm. trying to get a sort of series of running segments um but this one uh let's call this like pulled straight from the headlines yeah um so i have a a scientific study uh by broadband choices okay on these on the scientifically proven scariest movies of all time scientifically so this has been kind of floating around for a bit they do this every year since Mm -hmm. 2020 and it's where they get a bunch of participants and hook them up to heart monitors and they monitor which movies uh, cause the heart rate to stay above a certain threshold. Okay. And, like, whichever ones have, like, consistently above a certain threshold, that's what they mark as, like, the scariest. Okay. Um, those are really the only factors. So, for this year, for 2020, mm-hmm. uh, they, they do a full list of 30. Uh, I'll just read the top 10. Okay. Okay. that's what they kind of focus on. Yeah. Um, the first, uh, let's go in reverse. So, number 10. Paranormal Activity, mm-hmm. the original. Yeah. Nine, A Quiet Place Part Two. Mm, okay. See, didn't watch. Quiet Place. I only feel because like the whole point of the movie is the tension. Right. That's like the entire narrative device. Yeah. Which I guess I mean does mean it's successful in being a horror movie, but yeah. Number eight, I've never heard of Dash Cam. Mm-hmm. Well, that does sound like something that would be made. It's a it's a found footage movie done during lockdown where all the footage is done from like dash cameras and like oh, phone cameras. Oh yeah, I heard about this in like comparison to all like the FaceTime movies that were happening. Uh, number seven, it follows. Okay, yeah, I've heard this. Number six, terrified. What's that? Which seems <laughs> um, that is it's an Argentine horror film. Hmm. From uh, 2017. Okay. Uh, the poster is strange. It looks like that one SCP. Which one? Can you copy post it? In? The Cement Man. You're right. That That is the guy. I've never heard of this movie. Uh, yeah. It is. Oh, Guillermo del Toro is going to produce a rema- an English remake of it. Cool. What are you doing, Guillermo? He, he, does, he still does good things. Number five, Hereditary. Also heard that's good. I'm not up to date on modern horror movies. These are all just so contemporary. And is it is it weird to call that out? Or is it just, do you think movies have gotten better at being scarier? We probably just really know how to push those buttons that raise the heart rate. We, we mm, probably all, just know yeah. how to spam that really bad. Number four is The Conjuring. Okay. You'll see a similar theme with these. Yeah. Like, Number three, Insidious. Okay, yeah. <laughs> number two, Sinister. Okay. And then number one, another movie I've never heard of, Host. Not not The Host. Not okay. Stephanie Meyer's Host. This is a one of those FaceTime <laughs> movies. Oh. Oh. By Rob Savage from 2020. 
It's done entirely as a Zoom call. Oh, I might have heard of this. So a normal human's resting heart rate is about 64 beat per minute. While watching host, uh-huh. viewers had a high heart rate of 88 beats per minute. That's not good. <laughs> That's not tenable. Not good for the viewer or... <laughs> It's just not good for for living. But they also do what movies cause the biggest spikes in heart rate. Okay, I'm more interested in that, honestly. So for number one on that is Insidious. It doesn't say what particular moment. Then Sinister, then The Conjuring, then Host. Mm. And then number five is A Quiet Place Part 2. Okay, okay. And from there, the list is largely the same. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I don't see any different ones like all the way down here at number 12 the babadook oh here i'll, I'll send you the article so you can like scroll down it and see if um, i know anything so you can look at like yeah the top 30s but like at the third at the bottom mark 30 we've got black phone which just came out oh it's so. like one of those ones where you question like well how like from what sort of pool are you pulling these movies yeah because like immediately the ring and Elm Street and Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Texas Massacre. Texas Chainsaw is down at number 20, which is bizarre to me because that movie stresses me out. That movie gets me wanting to run real fast. <laughs> and The Exorcist yeah. is number 23, one of my favorite horror movies. Um, the Exorcist I never really found all that scary, but... It, I have a thing for cinematic moms doing their best, which makes hmm. Poltergeist really work for me too, and that's like here at 28. Okay, well, that's that's a future episode. Put a pin in that. Yeah, I guess so. Mom's doing their best. <laughs> uh, like, I think even in the, the findings, they say, like, you know, take this with a grain of salt. This is mostly yeah. just for fun. Mm-hmm. You're not going to settle any arguments with this. No. Um, but it is something that they do every year. You can look at the 2021 uh, and 2020 winners. Mm-hmm. Like, in 2020, the winner was Sinister, and then in 20 uh 21 the winner was host which yeah is the winner for this year so do oh, you like cool. a horror movie that gets your heart rate going i really like do you feel that's like you get your money's worth from that what i'm really looking for is that fever pitch mm, like it okay. starts to really ramp and i find that i kind of have like it has to have that rhythm where it starts regularly hitting those scares Kind of. And that's what made, like, something even as recent as what worked for me. Like, the first It, the first Skarsgård yeah. It, like, that worked for me. Because, like, it regularly hit these beats of effective scares. But mm-hmm. we'll get into it later on how not good scares work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we can get into that right now if you uh, feel you have any other thoughts No, I'm, on this. I, I feel like my brain is tickled in a very... Uh, satisfying way for me i'm not i'm not big on terrifying movies yeah um i'm not i I don't like ghost stories Mm -hmm. ghosts terrify me i don't like the prospect of ghosts demons like things that are gonna fuck with you before they kill you okay i don't like that yeah bullying (laughs) you don't want to be bullied yeah just if you're gonna kill me do it just do it (laughs) just do it just Um, do it yeah, so, like, supernatural entities, um, which most, like, you know, insidious, sinister, the yeah. conjuring, paranormal activity, that's, like, you know, what they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I like yeah. reading horror movie synopses. Yeah. I like seeing, like, what the story is going to be. Mm-hmm. More than actually, like, watching the movie, because 
I guess they still haven't managed to fix that predictableness part. Mm-hmm. In a okay. lot of, like, even, like, smart horror movies, it's like, oh, that, that character's gonna die, or, you know. Yeah, I I do feel like I've gotten to a point in taking in media that you start learning how much of the game you like to be in on. Like, how much of the hand yeah. are you okay with seeing? How much of it is, like, still contributing to your enjoyment of the piece? And so, like, even something as recent as Nope this year, where I started figuring it out, it just made me more excited. Yeah. I think the other issue is a lot of modern horror movies still haven't fixed the problem of having insufferable characters. <laughs> yeah. Where that's a huge problem like, still. Well, they're insufferable, so you're excited to see them killed. It's like, no. I'm not no, that they're easy. Insufferable. Ins- they're insufferable, so the 60 minutes until they get killed is a pain. Yeah. That's kind of what makes it hard to still like things like Friday the 13th. Because mm. so many of the I like, characters I like are just a lot of the Friday super... The 13th. I think, yeah. I think Friday is my favorite, like, slasher franchise. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm more of an Elm Street. Yeah, see, see, yeah. Freddy, Freddy bullies you. I can't have that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we can move on to the, the headlining act. Yeah. The, the topic the, of the week. What were the, so the big we show? So we got, you know, we were kind of thinking, like, what's... What's a good inaugural episode? That, like that kind of really embodies? fits the vibe of the show and the, the season. So I've been, you know, there are new media is replacing the old. Right. You know, Spotify killed the radio, killed the video star. <laughs> and then, and then TikTok killed the Spotify star. That is um, also true. You know, now is the time of monsters. So I was wondering like, you know, where creepy pasta mm-hmm. where did they go where did they go <laughs> where are they now i mean creepy pasta is still around but it's not as like it's more fondly remembered yeah and i see the things that people say are like the new creepy pasta like stuff like the back rooms and dear daniel <laughs> it's kind of like no you're grandfathering that in to an umbrella yeah um so you were actually the first person to te- teach me about creepy pasta oh no Oh no! Yeah, you were my introduction. You're like, oh, so there are these stories that get copy. They're like scary copy pastas, and I was like, what? The- what's a copy pasta? I'm- oh no! I'm 13. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly have the great urge to apologize. Um, yeah, you were the one who told me about Slenderman. So, so for the folks at home, then for for the normies that listen, do you have what is a creepy pasta? Then it's basically. <sighs> I was about to say it's like an internet horror story, but there's a particular number one, I guess, back in the old days, it had to be posted on the Creepypasta forums or currently when that got migrated over to the Creepypasta wiki. Yeah. And number two, a big element is sort of having it be folkloric in a way. Mm -hmm. you You can't take credit for a Creepypasta which makes it very hard to track down like where any of these authors are now and what they've done since. Yeah. Um because there's no notion that you can own a creepy pasta once it's out in the world. Yeah. And that allows people to do like their own spins on it, like sequels, expansions, mm-hmm. spin-offs. Um like to me it's a more innocent time of fake internet news. Yeah. Isn't it? I I feel like it there was... was that um naivety 
that we still had on the internet pre 2010s. Like I read, would you qualify something like those like chain emails or chain comments? Like like the MySpace message chains. Yeah, we're definitely a huge like, thing. Like if you're reading this, it's too late. Finish yeah. reading all the way to learn how to survive. Like yeah. those, I remember very vividly. Yeah, we'll get into that. it's one thing. I was finding with a lot of these creepypastas, it, are people are still commenting on them. Yeah. And they're still commenting <laughs> them in the same way yeah. I remember people used to do. Yeah. It's like half of it's being like like in on it and trying to say like, oh my God, I saw the Midnight Man and yeah. he, he smiled at me. <laughs> um, and then the other half are like, this is the fakest thing I've ever heard. Why, yeah. You know, logic problem, logic problem, c- c- cinema sins, cinema sins. Ding, ding, um, ding. Another thing is that a lot of early creepypastas, particularly the successful ones, were very, like, ARG-heavy. Yeah, like, a lot of people got in on them. And it's sort of... And going, like, to multiple different sites and domains, Mm -hmm. it's just something you can't do on the current internet because it's all so homogenized under, like, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, Tumblr. Like, certain apps. And then that's the thing I was noticing is that even though these fandoms are still active, like, it does still feel very... It's like running into your same fandom in a different space. Yeah. Like, same factions will be like, oh, well, Twitter fans are one way, but Tumblr fans are elite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, So getting into it, we sort of put together a list of, like, five ones we very strongly remember from our... Mm -hmm. I was about to say childhoods, but probably more appropriate to say youth. Youth? Yeah, that's fair. when hope was high and life was worth living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one way to put it. So, like, going in order of relevance, mm-hmm. starting with Squidward's suicide. Right. Um. So this one, when I sp- say in terms of relevance, I think this one has, like, no relevance. But yeah. I remember it being very prominent as, like, a fake news story. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I believed this was real. Really? Yeah, okay. and this is sort of our stand-in for, like, lost episode creepypastas, where yeah. it's like, I saw a a un, like a secret episode of The Simpsons where Bart gets sucked out of a plane yeah. and dies, and it's like, they all have, like, an element of horror and stuff, but I think, like, this one's very prominent to me, and it's sort of been referenced in modern Spongebob, which is weird. I was gonna ask you about that. I decided I'd keep myself in the dark on that note. <laughs> What reference? Are we going to get into it? We'll get into it. So the story itself is that um, the author was like in, in, he's recollecting, which Mm -hmm. is very important for this. This was posted in like 2011. Yeah. But he's saying, the guy is saying like, I was an intern in 2005 at Nickelodeon studio on my animation degree. And I was doing tape viewings for new SpongeBob episodes, season three, particularly like after the movie. Yeah. Which is a plot point. And that was, like, um, my first saying, question. Like, I was like, what internship is OP doing <laughs> that they're getting to watch entire episodes? It's before launch. Yeah. Um, and that's what th- they're basically watching what is supposed to be the final editions of the episodes. And, like, yeah. checking for animation errors or sound errors and things. And it's it's him with two other interns and, like, the lead animator and the mm-hmm. head of production watching these. And they put in, like, the tape for season three, episode one. Yeah. Um, and the title card comes up and it says Squidward's suicide. Yeah, and they all um, like giggle a little bit and they're like, "Oh, yeah, they all you're laugh just joshing. Because, yeah, because they say like, "Oh, the 
often as like you know an inside joke they'll have fake title cards come up like in the episode where spongebob and patrick take care of a clam it says uh not how sex works right and so they 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 watch the episode but it's not what the episode should be the episode (gasps) is supposed to be fear of a krabby patty Okay, yeah. Um, but instead, it's about Squidward try, like practicing for a concert. Yeah. SpongeBob's being really rude to him. Right, like unnaturally and it, so. And then, yeah, it, that that's a big thing we'll get into. But I'll finish the synopsis first. <laughs> okay. Is like then it cuts to Squidward at the concert where he's playing horribly like normal, but the s- audience is being unnaturally like aggressive towards them and how they're booing. And, and Spongebob's booing, too. And when it cuts to Squidward, like, looking sad on stage, then back to the audience, and they all have hyper-realistic eyes. <laughs> I, I specified that in my notes, specifically. Hyper-realistic eyes. Clearly not shots of real people's eyes, but something a bit more real than CGI. The pupils were red. Some of us looked at each other, obviously confused. But since we weren't writers, we didn't question its appeal to children yet. <laughs> it then cuts the episode then cuts to squidward at home having a depressive episode he sits in silence for exactly 30 seconds then starts to cry relatable um and then it says and then this is where it gets weird <laughs> um there's like a single frame of like they go back and pause it um and it's like a picture of a dead kid like a kid that's been like his head smashed in, his guts torn oh my out. Oh god, yeah. And Opie is so specific mm-hmm. about the child like the... gore. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's a whole paragraph describing this dead kid. It's so much. You know, if I was in that room, I'd be like, you know what? There's something off about this. But instead, <laughs> they keep watching because they, they want to know what's gonna happen. And it's, like, Squidward's still crying. Like, the crying gets more realistic and less, like, a voice actor. What? Um, and another frame of a dead kid. And also in extreme detail. And then it's, like, audio of, like, walking through a forest as Squidward looks to the camera. Like, and his, he's crying blood. <laughs> uh, then a deep voice tells him to do it. Do it. At which point he takes a shotgun and shoots himself in the face. <laughs> and the gore is also hyper-realistic. At this point, uh, OP and the other people uh, vomit. Of course. And, and call in Steven Hillenberg, our hero. Who literally, like, it's him. Like, it's Mr. Hillenberg comes in. Yeah, he comes in. He comes in and they're like, oh my god, look at this. And his reaction is to say, what the hell? <laughs> Um, and that's kind of where it, it ends. If you imagine uh, it, oh, like, a fucking sitcom punchline, where Steven Hillenberg's the dad, and he just comes in, he's like, you guys. Someone get Mr. Hillenberg, and he comes into the room like like a Kramer. <laughs> oh, God. You actually didn't say my favorite line that I put in here, and it was, he oh. put his hands parentheses, tentacles over his <laughs> eyes. <laughs> it's just so... <sighs> the detail. The detail is just A-plus a on this one. There's so much. So I wasn't... I was never familiar with this particular version of the story. Really? I was familiar with a 
I guess it's a spin, like a re a remake by a different author. Oh. Of the Red Mist is coming. Oh, okay. So I've run into this a lot in my travels, where people are like, "Oh, I didn't like it, so here's my take on it." Yeah, and the Red Mist is coming is written more like a like a wiki entry. It's not a story. It's like saying like, "Oh, this is a lost episode that was found mm-hmm. in like Nickelodeon's." archives um, right and it's uh, and it's like describing what the content is it's very similar to the squidward suicide story except it features this detail of like at the start squidward's practicing and a traveling salesman knocks on his door selling uh, what and and they get into an argument because squidward doesn't have time okay <laughs> and that and that salesman's voice is later what Squidward hears compelling him to suicide, which is a strange arc for that story. That's really weird. It also adds <laughs> in that, um, like, oh, we, we solved, we figured out where the tape came from. It what? was a disgruntled animator at Nickelodeon's what? studio in Fife, Scotland. What? <laughs> uh, had, like, who was is, who is later arrested for six counts of child murder. I'm sorry, who's outsourcing animation to Scotland? So that's like the biggest, I put in my notes here, Spongebob isn't animated in Scotland. Like every major, (laughs) every major cartoon on the net, on TV right now, it's animated in Korea or (laughs) China. (laughs) Like I even like, in the comments, people are saying like, oh, Nickelodeon doesn't have an animation studio in Scotland. They used to in 2005. And then there's people that are, like, commenting that are, like, you're not sure whether or not they're in on it. Ooh. Or they're just You're one of naive. them. They're, like, oh, well, maybe it was shut down because Nickelodeon wanted to cover this up. Yeah. And I have my notes. Uh, children don't understand how business works. No, they don't. <laughs> if, this, if this was, like, a story that got out, it would be Everywhere. Everywhere. You wouldn't have to find a strange, like, internet. The show would have been off the air if this had happened. (laughs) Like, if this had actually happened. And also, it wouldn't have gotten... It it wouldn't even have gotten to that stage that OP is at, where they're, like, looking for final, like, final errors. They're doing final checks. Like, the idea in the Red Mist version is that this disgruntled animator, like sent it in saying like oh yeah that's the final one no need to check it just send it straight to broadcast what and then people are just not gonna do their job yeah okay (laughs) okay so i i tried i looked if there was like any sort of like making suicidal squidward a like character in the greater creepy pasta canon, yeah. the, the the creepy verse, yeah. there isn't. I haven't found no. like any sort of presence. Mostly, I found for modern references are like people bringing it up just to prove that their work take is like part of the greater creepy pasta canon. So you might we might touch on this later. I did just to see what I could find. I looked up all of these that we did pick out on Ao3 to see what came up. Squidward Suicide pulled up three three entries, none of which did, were noteworthy. Did you find... I I think I looked at that, because that's where I went, mm-hmm. uh, just for this one, because I was curious. Uh, there's, like, one that's a creepypasta harem story, where Squidward... Com- Squidward brackets suicide is... Yeah. 
is tagged, but they, they seem to have not gotten to that uh, chapter yet. No, yeah, so there was nothing noteworthy. Like, there was three results, which is shocking for a creepypasta fandom. Especially for one that's so prominent. Like, I was watching, like, retrospective videos on yeah. creepypasta. They always bring this one up. They bring it, it has, up. Like, no, it has no presence, no fandom. And I guess just at the time, it must have been the first of its kind. Um, I guess. Because I think in terms of lost episode creepypastas, it's this and Dead Bart. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a ton of Squidward content by himself on AO3. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but nothing for Squidward Suicide, which is just like, really, guys? Come on. You, you could you could pull something out. You could... 636 works tagged Squidward tentacles. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, one reason why this may have gotten big is we do know that lost episodes are a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, searching about your favorite shows, especially animated shows, you will learn about, like, episodes that never made it to broadcast because oh, yeah. people were just messing around like um for dexter's laboratory dexter's rude removal mm. is a very famous real lost episode where it's like dexter and Dee, Dee swearing up a storm at each other and it's <laughs> it's animated it's voice acted by the voice actors but it was just made as like a joke to be passed around like internally at the studio mm-hmm. they're not making things where like dexter's putting his head in a wood chipper or anything where people are admitting to crimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so that so that's Squidward Suicide. <laughs> yeah. Um the next one we have on the list is kind of one of my favorites mm-hmm. from that period. It's Candle Cove. Yeah, which I was I was happy to see that we that we basically came to this one. I because I'm not that familiar with it. It kind of came along after I'd started drifting away from creepypasta. So it, the thing about like Candle Cove Mm-hmm. The Candle Cove I would put out as like one of the good ones. Yeah. Even then, it's not like great as a story, but at the time, right? It's it's so interesting, and I think what separated it is number one, the author uh, Chris Straub. Yeah. Had restraint. Yeah. In the narrative. <laughs> That's a it's huge a very one. short story. It's extre- It's way shorter than I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, he put his name on it. Yeah. So it didn't have any of this, like, folkloric, like, oh my god, is it real or not? Like, it's a piece of it. media that you can actually yeah, like, interact with. Yeah, it's a with. short horror story that he wrote, but he did it on the Creepypasta website. Um, Eventually, he did migrate it over to his own website, where he yeah. just collects a bunch of short horror stories. He's He's actually pretty prominent right now in terms of, like writing horror-themed, like, webcomics and things. I know him from Local 58, the analog. Local 58, yeah. which is sort of a, a spinoff. It's the or same like set in the channel, same someone said. Like, it's yeah. supposed to be the channel that Candle Cove would have aired on. But for the kids at home, what is Candle Cove? Yeah, so it's um it's written in the form. It's one of the more ambitious ones where it's written as sort of, like, format. And in this, it's a, it's a forum. Mm-hmm. Um, net nostalgia forum category television brackets local yeah where um, one of the posters sky shale 033 is like asking like hey does anyone did anyone like who grew up in my area remember this weird public access show called candle cove which was like this puppet show about pirates yeah where it looked so low budget and cheap like one of the puppets was like clearly cobbled from other like dolls you can see the fishing line making like characters mouths open and close Mm -hmm. 
and like they keep saying like oh my and like other people join in um one of which is named kevin hart (laughs) (laughs) just putting that out there that's that's part of the lore i hope it's him (laughs) in 2009 would he have been even like prominent I don't know. I, I feel like he would have been. I, can't, I just can't. I don't have the receipts. Um, but other people chime in and like, like some people are saying, no, no, I don't remember this. Or just questioning, like, what even was this? Because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be on a forum. So anyone's like looking and commenting. And then a few people, like three other people join in are like, yeah, no, I, I remember that. It was so not okay for kids. It looked so unpleasant. Yeah. But for some reason, I kept watching it. And they're like, remembering different details collectively like oh when the characters the main character's trait was that he was always afraid of everything and his ship told him he has to like go inside scary places yeah um and then like towards the end one person's like i can't really remember um i had a nightmare once where it was all the characters on screen like flailing around and screaming yes and the one like <laughs> human non-puppet actress was just crying in the corner but then other people like chime in and say, no, I remember that. That was like the last episode before it went off the air. Um, and sort of the the rug pull at the very end, the, the person that started it, Skyshale033, is like, I visited my mom and like asked her about Candle Cove. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I'm surprised you remembered that. It was always so interesting how you would just turn the TV to static and say, I'm watching my favorite show now. You had a lot of fun with all your pirate characters. <laughs> and that's how it ends. Yeah. And it ends at like kind of the perfect moment where it's like, well, what was going on there? Some sort of like mass delusion, some sort of like psychic TV entity. And he leaves it. That's the that's the best part, is that he just cuts it off right where it's really good. Yeah. And that's like like I said, the key point is just the restraint and mm-hmm. how it's actually written, like how people talk yeah we were talking about with like squidward suicide where the op is theoretically recalling event from like six years ago but he Mm -hmm. recalls it all in perfect detail yeah like the exact number of seconds that squidward's crying um and stuff and with this though like the people are remembering it like how you sort of talk through and try to remember things with your friends about things you grew up with Mm -hmm. where it's like some are misremembering things they have to like correct each other like oh the villain had a big mustache no no it was his sidekick that had the mustache yeah and things like that um so like i said strollop has gone on to like do other things like local 53 58 local 58 um which is sort of in that same vine of like this public access channel that's like evil question mark Uh, yeah supernatural at best um and then in 2016 the story was adapted for a uh tv show called channel zero yeah which is a a anthology series that each season they adapt a different creepypasta story but the first season's candle cove um i watched quite a bit of it oh yeah um i'm about two episodes from the end it's very good oh that's okay. a show. It's about this detective, this uh, child psychologist, like, returning home. It has a very, like, it quality, but also, like, Twin Peaks in Ooh. a way. Where it's, like, in the same way that any town with, like, any show about a small town with, like, a creepy underlying, like, underbelly mm-hmm. is very Twin Peaks inspired. But this is, like, there are very specific Twin Peaks homages. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And I, th- I love that. 
Um, it's got a good creature design. Like in this, in the original story, the the villain is called like the Skin Taker. Right. I was going to ask you about uh, that because I know that it's who, different in the show. In the show, uh, so it, it, in the in the original story, it's a skeleton with like a cape made of children's skin, and that's like one of the things that the posters are like. That was not okay to show children. Yeah. Um, in the show, it's. I don't really know if it has a name. I don't think they've said it, but it's more like the tooth taker where it's this golem made of teeth. Oh yeah. That makes more sense. And it's a super cool design, particularly once it starts appearing in the real world. Okay. Yeah. That actually Um, is spooky. I I would give a channel zero, a definite watch, but as far as like candle coves fandom, Mm -hmm. um, This one was so hard to get details on because it seems like the fandom exclusively exists to gaslight me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they do. So it has a whole wiki. It has a whole wiki where they're like detailing entire episode synopses of the Candle Cove show. And like every character has their own entry breaking down. Like it has like trivia sections like, oh, in this episode, he he says he never eats mangoes. Which uh, is brought up again in this episode. Like, what? It's either like one person putting in all these entries and just doing their greater Candle Cove fanon. Yeah. Or it really is like a collective effort. Because again, it's a wiki. It doesn't really have like author notes. Yeah, it sounds really SCP ish. And it's just so strange because it's parts of it are. I was trying to track down where they're pulling this from. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, did someone make like fan made Candle Cove episodes? And the answer is really no, but there are, like, so there's this spinoff story, um, not by the original creator, called, um, where is it, Tales Aboard the Laughing Stock, mm. which is an unofficial sequel. It's written in the style of this journalist who's trying to uh, track down details on the making of Candle Cove, and he, like, interviews mm. actors on the show and tries to get in touch with the creator um, but at every turn, he hits, like, a dead end, and no one seems to remember production the same way. Oh. Um, I think it's a very, I think it's a fine, unofficial sequel, but it seems to be the thing that a lot of the fanon pulls from, because he specifically, like, names actors, names the creator, um, as, like, Emerson Graves. And once you know it, Emerson Graves has a YouTube channel where it's all, like, 30-second shots of, like, puppets done in, like, a, a VHS filter. Okay. Then he uploads like once, maybe every six months. Cool. I mean, it, it's content. It, it's fan content. Yeah, um, but it's also one of those fanons, fan wikis, where since they're making up entire episodes and things, mm-hmm. uh, like the pictures sections, they like they have pictures of actresses, quote unquote, and character designs Ooh. and things, but they all seem to be pulled from like different sources. So okay. they'll find, like, a weird public access show and take, like, a screen grab of a puppet and say, oh, this was Horace Horrible's original design. You can see it in episode 13 in the background. Yeah. Okay. And, like, it's – I was sitting there rubbing my temples, like, is there is there something I'm not finding? Is there, like, a secret forum where these are getting uploaded? I can't – I can't backtrack any of this. Yeah. And it really just – made me nostalgic for the old internet more than any of these. Whereas, like, God, I remember being a part of a community of, yeah. like, an extremely niche 
uh, you know, fandom on a forum that, like, maybe gets a hundred clicks a day. Right. Right. And, all just... and you're all just super, super committed to it. Yeah, you're all committed to the bit. Um, do you have any feelings about Candle Cove, like, as a story? I, you know, I think what it's super effective, first and foremost. I think because the writer is an established writer, mm-hmm. as far as we know. Like, yeah. We no, don't... no, he had done things before yeah. writing this. And, and we don't know the backgrounds necessarily of a lot of these creepypasta, because, again, it's the entire uh, myst- mysticism of the genre, really is that you don't really know where they come from, but I feel like the fact that this is a concrete starting point, I, I can see the appeal immediately, is the thing. And it taps into a very yeah. universal feeling of something you saw only once when you were very young, but it yes. stuck with you. Right. Um, like the blockbuster last-minute rental. Like, I... There was one I, I rented with a friend mm-hmm. long ago. I must have been like seven or something. It was a, like, I remember very specifically, like, it's about this sailor and he's going and there's also like a a bug that's his sidekick and they're traveling to somewhere and like the bug has a girlfriend and the sailor has a girlfriend. They both have this weird dream sequence and like no one around me growing up knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Until years later, I was in high school, and I discovered uh, the Nostalgia Critic. Oh, my God. And he did an episode on this thing called The Magic Voyage, which is an animated telling of Christopher Columbus's journey to the New World. Wait. Starring Dom DeLuise. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, my God, it's real. I'm not crazy. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, there's the weird dream sequence. There's, like, the monster made of bugs. There's the weird honey tower. Okay. Yeah. No, I absolutely know what you mean. And that is, that is the feeling I get while reading it, especially because like, not just supernatural things, existential horror is really my thing. Mm -hmm. Like eldritch terror is, is a very effective thing for me where it's like things bigger than you that you cannot understand. Yeah, a lot of creepypastas tap into that. Even, like, Squidward's suicide. I didn't bring it up. Yeah. There's, like, a weird part where he says, like, it gets so quiet that I couldn't even hear the static coming out of the speakers. Yeah. And it's like, why is it magical? Why is the tape magical? Yeah, why can't this just be a scary story? (laughs) Why do you have to bring, like, just other realms into this? (laughs) But here, Mm -hmm. here, that it's just enough of a taste of that supernatural element that it really like sets it in. And then again, he, he, he drops the mic and leaves mm-hmm. and then it's yeah. just, it belongs to the fandom after that. And they just eat each other. There is so much fan art of candle cove characters and people being like, Oh, if you read the wiki, there's an episode where, where Percy and the mermaid go on a date. Someone should do fan art of that. Right. <laughs> on AO3. I did find, I just went by hits on this one, and it's like <laughs> 2,600 hits, and it's literally Various Bad Boys and You by the Dreams <laughs> of Garbage. <laughs> and yeah. it's like Kevin slash Reader, Freddy Krueger slash Reader, Jeff the Killer slash Reader, Horace Horrible, not slash, uh, no, slash Reader. Who's Kevin? Uh, From- Ni- Welcome to Night Vale. Oh, I was good. I was about to say from Home Alone and Bill Cipher. 
and Bill Cipher. Slash reader. And even a Bill. Yep. Originally on Quo TV. Um, so moving from one of, like, the best creepypastas... Right. ...to <gasps> one that's persistent. <laughs> it won't die. So we're going to talk about Sonic.exe now. <sighs> this one is... So number funniest. one, this has had a huge resurgence. Yeah. I don't know if you, you picked up on that. A, a little bit, a little bit. So this story is about the biggest Sonic fan in the world. Yeah. He tells us that. <laughs> yeah. A total Sonic fan, much like everyone else. I like the newer games, but I don't mind playing the classics. And it specifies it was a nice summer afternoon. He was playing Sonic Unleashed, parentheses. I like how you get to explore the towns in it. <laughs> Um, when, when the mailman drops off a package from his, from his best friend, uh, Kyle, and it's a, it's a CD that says like Sonic on it. But like with a creepy note. Yeah. A note from his friend saying, Tom, I can't take it anymore. I had to get rid of this thing somehow before it was too late. And I was hoping you would do it for me. I can't do it. He's after me. And if you don't destroy this CD, he'll come after you too. He's too fast for me. <laughs> um, so rather than destroying the disc and fulfilling the, the, one the wishes thing. of his friend, his best friend, he puts it, he's like, but I can't resist playing a Sonic game. It's Sonic. <laughs> so he puts it in his, his computer and boots it up and it's a, Sonic 1, except right as he clicks start, the the water in the background becomes hyper-realistic blood. (laughs) Do we just want to, like, what does hyper-realistic mean? It's... Because it's... It's uncanny, is the first thing. I'm not saying it it just to say it. It's literally the word that this and Squidward suicide use it's 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 hyper-realistic it's hyper-realistic and it's shot with a 4k camera yeah i remember like early internet someone did hyper-realistic renditions of the simpsons family oh yeah and it's like every single pore on their stupid faces and like every strand of hair and every vein in their eyeballs Mm-hmm. Like that's what hyperrealistic immediately spikes in my mind. But what does hyperrealistic blood look like? Because <laughs> blood doesn't have all that definition to it. Blood's not even blood doesn't really run. It seeps. <laughs> is the thing. It's not. It's a. It's a viscous goo. Yeah. Blood congeals um, oh. and it oxidizes. Also, this is important. Down in the corner where it says, like, uh, trademark Sega <laughs> 1993 or whatever, it changes to <laughs> Sega 666. <laughs> I have in so my... he's a Christian. Yes. I have in my notes that this is, like, the funniest pasta that I've ever it read still. So... It's so, it's, so it... funny. It's also long. It's so long. There's so much it's detail. Like... I think this is the longest one. And yeah, again, it's detailed. Like we were talking about with Candle Cove. Like, the guy remembers every single beat of it. And, oh god, I put in there, I'm like, the Sega 666 kills me every time. It's very much giving Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven way, and I'm gothic. (laughs) It's so Uh, bad! 
he plays like he has three characters: Tails, Knuckles, and Eggman. And that Eggman. really throws him for that really throws him for a loop. You can't play as Eggman He's in the, the game. He's the bad guy. So he he plays it as <laughs> Tails and comes across like a bunch of dead animals, and then Sonic shows up. And his eyes are bleeding, and he's only got, like, black voids and red dots for eyes. And Sonic, like, says, do you want to play a game? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and then he, he kills Tails. <laughs> um, and he Tails. makes the Kefka laugh from Final Fantasy VI. This, <laughs> specifically the Kefka laugh. Specifically. That level be... of specificity. It couldn't be anything else. Yeah. That's another thing with this one is this guy's a fucking savant when it comes to game music. <laughs> He's like, I started the second stage and I heard what sounded like a shining shoals from Earthbound, but played backwards. It's like, what does that mean? I don't know what How that do means. That? I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, so then he plays as Knuckles. The same thing happens. Right. Because um, we have to do it with like, every oh, character. This is, just, this is just a hacked game. My friend's trying to play a prank on me. Yeah. He he has a nap and where he see and he has a dream where he sees Sonic torturing s- Tails and Knuckles and he's like, "Oh no, I've got to finish the game." Yeah. So he plays as Eggman. Eggman dies. Right. Also. Um and then we get to the to the shocking finale. The the spooky spooky part. This killed me. I had no idea this is how this ended. You didn't. Um Oh, oh, so it it pops up a hyper realistic picture of Sonic's face mm-hmm. and it says I am God. Yeah. <laughs> um and he says and then that's when I realized Sonic is the very embodiment of evil. He tortures people who play his games in more th- way than one. And then when he gets bored he drags you into the game, literally drags you to hell where he can play with you always as his toy. I can't get the game out of my computer. I think it's stuck in there. <laughs> like, you can't get it out of the disk drive. I sat there for 25 seconds when I heard a voice right behind me. 25 like a seconds. whisper. Ha! Try and keep this interesting for me, Tom. <laughs> I turned around to see where the voice came from. And what I saw made me scream. Sitting on my bed. Ellipses. Staring right at me. Ellipses ellipses was a sonic plushie smiling with bloodstains under its eyes <laughs> there are a lot of very non-threatening words in the english language <laughs> plushie is definitely one of them plushie you could have said doll yeah because dolls are scary yeah Action figures can be scary. I remember small soldiers. You might be able to get me with stuffed animal. Or plush Shh. doll. But a plushy. Plushy. It's very soft. <laughs> um, and that's that's the last line. Now, the thing is, is that um the author who we do know, JC the hyena. Yes couldn't leave well enough alone and wrote a sequel about a detective investigating the cult of Sonic. Was this also posted um, on their fur affinity count? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I just don't know. There are so many avenues to this one. Like, anything in the Sonic fandom. Just let it go. I don't know where. 
JC, just let it go. <laughs> he can't. So so the original story got taken down yeah. for being too bad. <laughs> it was too bad for creepypasta. Too bad. It was too bad, which is incredible. And that's important to remember. That's important to remember. It was taken down for being, like, everyone at the time knew this was awful. Yeah, and they said, this is giving us a bad name because you are encouraging people who write at your caliber to keep continuing to do so. Yeah. Um, and so he went on this long tirade <laughs> where he's... I've, I've looked at a lot of JC the Hyena's writings. Mm-hmm. And let me know if I'm overstepping my bounds here, because I really have no animosity for this community. But he has big furry energy. <laughs> and do you know what I mean by that? I want to be a better person and say I don't, but I where do know what that means. <laughs> where it's like, you're just kind of parsing, how many levels of irony are you operating on? <gasps> it's are hard you to tell. Because in... I would believe that Sonic.exe is an elaborate, like, parody yeah. satire. Yeah. Because the idea of haunted games already existed by this point. Like, Pokemon Black, Ben Drowned. But this guy is just the most. The most. <laughs> like if um, I just he runs a... if I tell you to reread the story, imagining before we knew anything bad, imagining it's Chris Chan. <laughs> well, but now we can't because because she's terrible. <laughs> well, so JC, you didn't get to this part of the JC story. I see. Oh no. Um, so JC currently operates a, a DeviantArt account where you can commission them to have your own hyena sona. Um, okay. That's really neither here nor there. Um, JC had the rights to Sonic.exe forcibly taken away from them. What? Now, <laughs> when I say the rights, I don't mean in any sort of real legal way. This is internet law. What? <laughs> JC is no longer considered the creator. Um because JC was found doing erotic role plays with minors. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> so, so JC, the hyena author of Sonic.exe, is a sexual band. <laughs> and so now the creator—it's so wild to me that this is a thing. Tell but, me. Um, the cre—it has a—he has a new creator. Um, who, as far as I know, was just, like, someone who did a lot of fan art of Sonic.exe. Okay. And so their task was was coming up with, like, new lore. And they're working on a new story. Okay. A, a redux of Sonic.exe. But so far, they only have, like, art and a new name, Xenophanes. What? No! Which is the name of, like, the demon that has become fascinated with Sonic and taken his form. I thought you were going to say becomes fast. <laughs> <laughs> the demon got so fast. <laughs> um, so, the reason why this has popped off, right. Sonic CXE, because I, I did, um, Google has that thing where you can look at the number amount of, like, searches people have done. Mm -hmm. for a particular concept. So I plugged all these in to just see, like, track interest over time. Okay. Squid Squidward Suicide has a small bump in, like, 2012. Candle Cove, like, around when it first launched, and then in 2016 when the Channel Zero came out. Hmm. 
but then it very quickly dies off. Okay. Sonic.exe has a small bump when it first came out, but now it's at the highest popularity it has ever had. Why? And the reason for that, do you know of a game called Friday Night Funkin'? What the fuck is that? Because I have been wondering, but I do not want to touch it, whatever it is, because the fan base is terrifying. (laughs) Okay, so Friday Night Funkin' may need to be its own episode. Oh, no. Um, It's a browser-based rhythm game. Uh, That's all it is. What? It's a browser-based rhythm game. It has has very well-done sprite work and original songs, but... Um, that's all it is. It's a browser-based rhythm game. Um, but it's very easy to mod. And some oh. people have gone so whole hog on oh. mods for this game. Like, original, like, 2010s-era Minecraft mods. Oh! This explains things. Okay. So, there was a very prominent Sonic.exe mod for this. Where you go oh. up against various iterations of sonic.exe okay and they're all very well animated they're all very well done the the mute the songs are good um but this was the first debut of the new sonic lore of xenophanes the demon um there's also this thing called lord x which yes. is the same thing but also not the same character lord x is its own spin-off somewhere spawned in the midpoint between the original story and JC losing the rights. Like I said, there are so many... This isn't even getting into all the, like, Tails.exe, Sally.exe. Yeah! There were so many Sonic the Hedgehog creepypastas that spawned from this story. Right. Which is weird. Which is so weird. Because as we said, it was taken down because everyone knew it was bad. But it lives on. You can't delete anything from the internet. Um, The other thing is that there were, like, people who made the game. Okay. For people to play. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Like, I remember first hearing about this from, like, Markiplier. Right. That was exactly what I was going to say. God, you are are shedding light on things. Because I was very confused why the Sonic.exe fic I found on AO3 was updated last week. (laughs) <laughs> it's so popular now. It, like I said, it's at the peak of its popularity. And it's all because of Friday Night Funkin'. Yeah, because like those are the fandoms. F- Friday Night Funkin', Sonic.exe, Sonic the Hedgehog, and then like M- Majin Sonic, Sunky.mpeg. What, what do these words mean? Tails.exe. Oh, so so uh, Sunky was the person that made the original Sonic.exe, like, Flash game... Yeah. ...made a parody version of that called Sunky. Ugh. Which is, like, a joke version. Okay. Uh, Majin Sonic is the fake Sonic you get in Sonic um, CD when you go to, like, the sound menu. Okay. Okay, yeah, I have heard of this. Um, but, yeah, this like I said, this mod is so thorough. There's it's, like, so much. Such an encapsulation of all the fan inversions of Sonic. And that's kind of like... There's so much fandom. Because Sonic will never die. (laughs) Because his character design's too good. Yeah. His character design is unstoppably good. The the movie couldn't kill it. By that extent, Sonic.exe, even though it is just evil Sonic, it's untouchable because evil Sonic is a good design. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, sadly. Sadly. And it kind of makes up for... I mean, like... Some creepypasta is written so terribly that it's not even worth your time to read. But, mm. like, I am God. Come on, please. That is so... Uh, it's hilarious to probably, read still. It's just such a... It's a throwback to a different time in horror on the yeah. internet. Yeah. Where it was like... Like, we'll get it. We still have two more to go. Yeah. But I'll bring up this point now. Is like, the original... It was all about jump scares. Right. Like, even, like, it was about literary dump, jump scares. It's like, story, 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 here's something super disturbing. Mm-hmm. Then story, story, story. Now it's all lore. Right. It's all like, oh, no, this is a pleasant story, but if you dig deeper, there's something the messed background. up going on. Right. And, like, even yeah. if you read the original pasta, it is, it's written very 2010s. Mm-hmm. Very, like, you can see this kind of written voice applying to just rambles just millennial rambles i'm allowed to say what i'm about to say because i have adhd okay but it's written in a very uh using parentheses as like bonus material for the sentence you're reading (laughs) which is a very uh adhd way of writing because every thought comes with its supplemental footnote thought yeah yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It It's written very parenthetically, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, and here's every single detail about the sentence I just said. <laughs> yeah. And then some additional info that you weren't even wondering about. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's just... And then also just, like, the very purposeful, like, the purposefully jovial way that some of this is written. It's so intriguing. It's It's fascinating. <laughs> I think what, and like a lot of creepypastas from this time, they fall into the trap. Because like we said, like the whole appeal of creepypasta, kind of the tenets is that you're you're meant to believe the story is real. Yeah. That like someone's relaying like, this is so creepy. It happened to me. I saw the Midnight Man. It's an urban legend. I saw the, but in this, it's like, okay, so how did you go to write the story? <laughs> That's a you good know? Yeah, if, that's the the big question. What happened after you saw the Sonic plushie? And then I went to bed. And then I wrote this all down. <laughs> oh you know, my god! It's like it's like found footage where it's like, okay, but how did we get these tapes though? What happened afterwards? <laughs> Who edited these? It's in the Internet Hall of Fame. It surpasses creepypasta. <laughs> it, it kind of is its own thing because it's Sonic. Yeah, you know. So now we move on to the big boys. Yeah, we're getting to like the two the two big players here. So so next up we have the man of mystery, Oof. the boy of mystery, the the lad because he's canonically thirteen, right? <laughs> Which causes a lot of issues. We have Jeff the killer. Oh boy. So so you're taking the reins. I I for guess this, I cause... am. I guess I am. What's your what's your history like with Jeff the Killer? Uh, I remember there were these like games that were like like source filmmaking. This is around the time of Slender. Okay, okay. Just very quickly slapstacked together, like, yeah. Source engine games that were like, oh, Jeff the Killer's haunted house. Oh god. And it's like you'd be walking around and like it, like just the picture would pop up as a jump scare with a sound. Oh right, like a screamer. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was my, like, as far as what Jeff the Killer is now. Yeah. I have no, no, I am far out of that. I remember seeing the original picture passed around with a story that it was like, 
a girl who like spilt acid on herself okay or something yeah and so like i always heard that it was a girl like, because that's part of having, the lore not even having a picture the the name jeff the killer yeah. attached to it just that picture it's and part that picture, of the lore yeah that picture I hate looking at. Oh, yeah, it's it uncomfortable. It's a very unsettling picture. I yeah. don't like how it looks like he's going to... That's what hyper-realistic looks like. <laughs> the Jeff the Killer picture. Because he looks like he's about to reach through the screen and caress me. Yeah. So... But along the way, something happened. Something happened. <laughs> Someone got horny. I know. We'll get there. Because the really weird thing is, like you said, he's canonically 13. Because, like, okay, for like the for the folks back home... Jeff the Killer, canonically speaking, agreed upon, is supposed to be, like, he's a victim of bullying. He's an underdog. He has a sense of vengeance. Um, and he's getting... Try- like, he gets in a fight, like, handling the kids who bullied his brother and, like, his little brother, who's also part of the canon, we'll get there. Um, his mm-hmm. little brother um, takes the blame for one of the bullies getting, like, stabbed and goes yeah, to Jeff jail. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so Jeff gets assaulted at a party. At an eight-year-old's birthday party. Yes, at an eight-year-old's birthday party. And the bullies are there for some reason. And they, they have guns. Yeah, and they have guns. And they douse him in bleach and light him on fire. Very important note. Bleach isn't flammable. I don't <laughs> I was know. wondering that. I don't know. Another version... <laughs> Another version of this, I heard it was a bottle of vodka. Which makes more sense, sadly. Because, like, you you read the story, and they're like, and then they doused him in bleach. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and they lit him on fire. And I'm like, how? (laughs) And it caused his his skin to become soft and pure white, and his hair black and leathery. (laughs) I... I'm on the I'm on the creepypastafiles.fandom.com slash wiki and it's like, <laughs> during this fight, Jeff's mind permanently snapped. Doesn't he like punch a kid so hard his heart stops? I think so. Uh, so here's the thing that gets really weird. I, I can kind of understand why why the kids champion Jeff the Killer. He has like a cool punisher-like backstory. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, this is a maligned kid who has suffered bullying like I have for being a weirdo. Um, which is cool. I don't... I I think that's where the Tumblr sexy manness of the character comes from. Is from like middle school girls who got super into this idea of falling in love with a guy it's like sort them. Of, it's sort of the... I'm not like other girls for... I'm not like other girls. I mean, really? Do you remember the very brief window when, like, Twilight was considered alternative? Yes. <laughs> so it's yes, almost I do. like in that window, like, girls who are like, I'm I'm too hardcore for even Twilight. I need Jeff the Killer. Like, I feel like I even remember a girl I knew in high school. Like, she posted a meme to Facebook where it's, like, the preppy girl being like, oh, Edward or Jacob. And, like, the very depressed goth-looking girl just says, Jeff. Let's be real. The Jeff the Killer fangirls are the horse girls of Creepypasta. We all know. And for some reason, like, they grew up with him. And so they're like, oh, well, he has to age up. 
He has to have like a fluid it, age now that he's supernatural. And he has to be horny as hell he, all the time. Or, or in so Fix, many... he's like cold. He's cold. And he's like, no, you have to earn. You have to earn the horny. <laughs> I don't like talking. So- I don't like using that word on a character who begins as a thirteen-year-old boy. It's disgusting. <laughs> so it's just so weird that there's not like because you said a Jeff the Killer's origin story, but I know there are like five other ones. There's and they so all sort of, many. They all sort of amalgamize. Yeah, and it's like kind of at the point where no one really cares what the origin story is. They just yeah. care about. No Looking one cared cool. who I was until I was the killer. You know? <laughs> Which is like, so there was a guy right after the picture. And by the way, the picture, I think her name is like Kate Robinson or something, was what they said her name was. And like the whole lore was that she's the face in the picture of Jeff the Killer, heavily photoshopped in that the B board of 4chan bullied her mm-hmm. to death. Um, ah, and that was, like, the lore. But then the girl was like, no, I exist. This is really weird. I'm still living. It, that, that's not what happened. I don't know. Yeah. But even people are like, are you really? Is that really you? Because it's the internet and we don't know what anything is. But, like, if you even go on Newgrounds, like, the week after the Jeff the Killer shop appeared online, there's been a user called Killer Jeff on Newgrounds who yeah. like has been updating as recently as 2017 because kids won't leave him alone. <laughs> it's so wild. It's so it's wild. It's so weird. It's like like I just I found one thread where it's like a user with a slenderman profile picture is just like doing a one-sided role play in poor Killer Jeff's comments where he's just like where first he says he's Ben, like Ben drowned. And then he's like, oh, well, I got your IP address and here's your IP address and then posts it. And then finally, Killer Jeff, six months later, is like, by the type of posts you make, I can tell you're under the age of 14, which ruins the kid entirely. He just goes nuclear and he's like, actually, I'm in the FBI and I know where you are and you got to, oh God, it's, what is with the children? And, and that uh, suddenly made sense to me as to, like, why this has escaped the internet. And it's just a thing that kids like now. I guess the most popular Jeff the Killer origin story, which is the one you said, is mm-hmm. it's very Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. Like these, like, these bullies show up and they immediately have guns. They're immediately threatening murder. And <laughs> you, have to, you have to let the darkness into yourself in order to stop them. <laughs> You know, I would. I would read Stephen King rewriting Jeff the Killer. I would. Mm -hmm. But I think... Oh, gosh. So does Jeff have powers? (laughs) That seems incredibly vague and nebulous. Uh, At most, he has enhanced stamina and speed so he can get into shonen-style fights. Under... Okay, so there's number seven personality, number eight on the wiki, powers and abilities... Okay. Despite being an average human, Jeff appears to wield incredible supernatural abilities that only apply to his human attributes, such as incredible stealth, speed, and supernatural strength used to mercilessly slaughter his victims. Jeff is shown to be incredibly durable, being able to overcome (laughs) his parents and brothers simply by gutting them. Isn't his brother like eight? (laughs) 
yeah, homicidal Lou. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the yeah. So there's a lot of there's so Jeff many clones. Like there's that are so also... many superfluous characters. So Jeff is like one of those characters, like our next topic, like the big man himself. Sorry, the tall man. <laughs> um, that he's part of like a greater creepy, creepy verse. Yeah. Of killers. Yeah. So there's him, there's his brother got like a spin-off, Homicidal Lou, where he like survived his stabbing and got multiple personality disorder. Ugh. There's Jane the killer, yeah. who's like a girl on the other side of the country who gets the same jeffening at the same time as Jeff does. And now she's so like his like, mortal enemy. Yeah. She But so she has Jeff, to kill he, people before he does. Yeah, so when Jeff stabs you, he says, Go to sleep. Ugh. When she stabs you, she says, Wake up. Ugh. And then there's like like there's Ben from Ben Drowned, which is the funniest inclusion to me. It's so weird. so they all they all live in the Slender Mansion, which we will get to. We'll get when we, to when, when we talk talk about the man himself. But it's a lot of like early murder boy creepy pastas. To him, it's like Tiki Toby. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. It's Smile Dog. It's Jane the Killer. They all live in the same mansion for some reason. And there's so much fan art. There's so much fan art. And in every single one, they draw Ben from Ben Drowned, which if you don't know, it's about a haunted copy of Majora's Mask. And so it's they just draw Link. The, they draw him as Link. It's just Link. He's just Link. <laughs> and it's so With funny. red eyes. <laughs> yes, it's so funny. It's never not funny when it's like... And then Ben Drowned was there. And then... <laughs> Like, okay, so, so do you think I have in my notes the the because this actually is funny that it's related. I'm realizing because we brought up the Halloween costumes in pre-production mm. of this, and I think that was my first time where I realized that Jeff the Killer got weirdly huge. Was when I worked a season at Spirit and saw a morph suit of Jeff the Killer, and kids were buying it, and I'm like, what is that? And it comes in adult sizes. So the weird thing about Jeff the Killer is that unlike any of these, yeah, he hasn't made the jump to mainstream really. Not really. Like, Not like in the same Suicide, way. Suicide, like I said, Squidward Suicide was referenced in mm-hmm. like a SpongeBob Halloween episode. Yeah. Sonic.exe was referenced in Sonic because modern Sonic is very aware of its fan base. Right. Uh Candle Cove had a TV adaptation, a very high production, well written TV adaptation. Yeah. Slenderman. Is Slenderman. Yeah. The eight pages. Jeff the Killer. Jeff the Killer's, I think, is like second in line. He's older. Is he? Yeah, he's like confirmed older than two. Like, okay, I have 2009 for Slenderman. I have 2008 ish as the the idea of Jeff the Killer. There's just not any mainstream because I guess There's just what not. would what would the story even be? It would... He's just he's just a teenager with a knife. Yeah, <laughs> there's and nothing a really. Gal smile. He doesn't he have anything to him. He doesn't have a personality. But he's hot. <laughs> In modern iterations. What was the? Of course. So I found. <sighs> you know what? I'll just have to. Oh, right. Creepypasta ex-reader boyfriend scenarios was yeah. was the was 43,000 hits on so, AO3. So it took me forever to find out where, like, the whole Slenderman mansion creepyverse, like, started. I'm still not entirely sure. I'm still not sure. 
Um, but I'm starting to think it was cool TV. Jeff, that seems to be where Jeff the killer primarily lies. Yeah. In Fanon is in this like slice of life, hardcore, like Adam's family style scenario. Yeah. Cause are there like any stories about him being scary? No. Like, oh it, no. Everyone I was hunted just... by Jeff the killer. He's always the protagonist. Everyone ages him up and then fucks yeah. him or, or, <laughs> Or he's still a 13-year-old boy, and they're like, I can save him. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Those are the two poles of Jeff the Killer stories. Or he's lurking in the background of a Slender Mansion story, just doing creepy shit. Where he'll come in, and, like, they'll use him as, like, the deadpan comedy relief character. He's the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, every, like, (laughs) I I read, like, whole, like, fan comics, and it's like, oh, and then Jeff the Killer shows up, and he says something morbid but funny. Yeah. Yeah, he has as much personality as like the one slur. <laughs> you could—he's just—he's just a piece of paper you can project feelings onto. Like, all right, he's—he's he's the lad. He's the boy. He's the internet's champion. <laughs> <laughs> he is the people's champion. <laughs> um, so now I think it's time. I think it's to, time to tackle the tall man. Let's summon him. Let's, the let's summon man. the slender man. Let's now. You got to beware the Slender Man because <laughs> he's he's dressed in darkness, suit and tie. <laughs> um, where? Yeah, I'll say like any one of these could be its own episode, like yeah. by itself down the line. Because there's a lot to break down, particularly with these last three. Yeah. Slender Man is like, where do you start? Where do you start? And I feel... so I I know where to start. Where I first learned about Slender Man from you is okay. we were we were editing our little our little movies together. Yeah. Um, and you were like, Sean, have you heard about the Slender Man? It's like this internet thing that's he's like a guy who's infinitely long and he appears in trees. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. I was like, no, I, I don't know what that is. And I went home and like Googled it. And then because I was I was in northern like Washington. It's like there's trees, there's everywhere. trees everywhere. And I was seeing, I saw like the back of a stop sign from a <laughs> distance. And I was like, oh, and I was like, I know that can't be the Slender Man oh because my... I only just learned about oh it. Oh my However, God. However, I can't deny the possibility that that could be the Slender Man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I learned about it and then it seemed like he faded away and then he yeah. came back with a full force right. when the game came out. Yes. Eight pages. But that's only my normie mainstream <laughs> exposure because I learned through doing this that there was a lot going on in the undercurrent through like ARGs and stuff. There like Marble Hornets, was. Everyman Hybrid, Twelve Tribes. Did you like was that your scene? So because I I, I enjoy a good ARG, but no. The first time I came across Slenderman was like in two thousand nine. On, like, on 4chan, mm-hmm. when he got ported over from something awful, like, shortly after, because this was terrible. I, we might go over this a lot. Um, it's a running theme. My parents love me so much that mm-hmm. I just had unlimited access to the internet. I had a laptop. Yeah. I had a room that I was allowed to lock yeah, and I, I did was too. yeah, and I was and I'm I'm perfectly adjusted, and it was just 
spending all night reading creepy manga and reading creepypasta. And so, like, Slenderman, like, that is a good evocative image because as far as lore goes, this is, like, the first time where we have something that's not a story. It's a picture was the first Yeah, it was specifically made had. for a Photoshop contest. Like, we know the origin of Slenderman. It was made for a Photoshop contest right. to make an, an image that looks real. Right, and, and it's, it's done just very well. this extremely blurry picture. Like, it doesn't even... Like, when I look at the original Slenderman pictures, mm-hmm. I don't even really register it as Slenderman mm-hmm. because it's so far f- removed from what he is now. I was going to say because there's no red circle showing you where he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just has this little blurb about, like, I didn't the children have them. gone missing. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and it is like and that was the we, we've talked about lore so much on the episode and that's really like what the genius was about slender for so long was the lack of lore there's no origin story there's no like the slender man story. yeah there's like illusions that he killed nazis in germany <laughs> that's a <laughs> whole see that that's a whole subplot i saw most I saw was like, oh, he appears on hieroglyphics within the tomb of the dead in ancient in Egypt. In a suit. Yeah, in a suit. <laughs> so like Marble Hornets yeah. is like one I heard. Because when, when, the, when the game came out and then it was going to have like a sequel, Slender the Arrival. Yeah. They were like, oh my, we're getting the people who re- wrote Marble Hornets mm-hmm. to write it. And it's Marble Hornets is... The thing about these videos, these ARGs that came up around Slenderman and created a collaborative canon, sort of, I wish they were better acted. I wish they were better (laughs) written. It makes it painful to sit through, where there's times where dudes are just being like, what do you mean? What's happening? And it's mm -hmm. like these terrible readings, because like they're just, they're kids who are really passionate about the source material. And want to be in on it. And so it's a lot of, like, he's in the background, interested in the characters, and messing with them over time and driving them crazy. And that's usually what happens in these ARGs. Yeah, and it's so weird that they all kind of popped up around the same time and had very similar ideas to each other. Mm -hmm. The one... I never even knew this was a Slenderman thing until doing this, but every man hybrid. Yeah. I remember seeing that like pop up like way back when and looking into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of an interesting premise that yeah. it starts as this like YouTube channel for like, oh, we're going to teach you how to stay fit while being like an every man. Yeah. You know, just simple ways. Um, and it's like three guys making videos talking about like eating healthy. And then like in one video, they go for a night jog. And, like, for two frames, they pass by Slenderman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's, like, and, and then they're talking about, like, dream interpretation. And one of them gives, like, this really long-winded description of, like, oh, there was a faceless man following me through the woods. Right. And it, it starts creeping it in there, which is, I want to say, better than Marble Hornets' take a little bit. Um. But then, and that's like as far as I remember getting mm-hmm. into it, there are so many there is. entries into the Everyman. It has seasons, which <laughs> is weird. It's broken down into seasons, which is so strange for like a found footage ARG-ish kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like you have to start from the beginning, otherwise you will have no idea what the lore is. Like right. at one point they hit Slenderman with their car. <laughs> and he's a and corporeal it's like they have being. To go, 
they have to find like the temple of evil to banish the Slenderman curse. And it's like none of these too much have quite the same lore because they all need to end. Yeah. And in order to end, you have to find the Slenderman's weakness, which means you need to define what he is. Right. Right. Which goes so against like why it got popular. And it's why none of it really sticks. It's only really like aspects like from marble hornets we get this idea that slender man can uh create what xps i think i think they're called yeah where it's like people who become their own spin-off sidekicks masky hoodie oh 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 the proxies the proxies proxies that's it the proxies who like become their own supernatural killers yeah and are kind of the origin of the Slender Mansion idea. Yeah, because Jeff in some in some fix is a proxy of Slender Man, and in other ones he's like an, his arch nemesis. Yeah, but he still gets to live in the mansion, so Slender can keep an eye on him. Right. It's ugh, it's weird. I guess that I guess that does beg the question then. Like, does, does Slender Man does does he work for you? Does does it does he work? Does is he spooky? I I think Slender Man is one of those modern great horror icons absolutely and it's particularly because of that like aspect of it's so eldritch yeah you know something that you can't look directly at Mm -hmm. even though it's like so simple a design it's just a faceless man who's well originally he was very tall yeah abnormally super tall which is the whole uncanny idea of him but modern iterations are like he's like six foot and has tentacles. Yeah, um, which is much more boring to me. It is. Um, there are so many wikis there dedicated are. to Slenderman. There are wikis for each individual ARG that got big. Then there's like Slender Wiki, Slenderman Wiki, Creepy Pasta colon Slenderman Wiki. And they all are, like, categorizing very different information. And, again, it gets into that Candle Cove thing where they're trying to gaslight you into thinking that, like, aspects are more prominent than they are. Yeah. Like, there was a whole wiki where there were multiple entries about Slenderman's daughter. And it's like, okay, this is very clearly a self-insert OC. Yeah. But your dedication to the bit, like, reposting this on multiple like wikis and like tagging like Slenderman family to a point Slendy's where she daughter. starts showing up. She starts showing yeah. up like Sally shows up in multiple fix. Yeah. And it's like, God, is that all it takes really to cement your place in history? You speak it into is... existence. <laughs> yeah. You just got to like, this is part of the canon. And make your own. It's always been there. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, so, and then just wait for someone to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make a five-page webcomic about that. It's just Poochie. It's just Poochie. (laughs) (laughs) That's really it. It's the entire Poochie principle of it all. And it's weird that people just, like, jump onto it. Because I think what it is is, like, just the FOMO of, oh, here's a new character that I can work with. I can can write that. I can write a little girl into the Slenderman story. And it's super graspable. For young writers, I think, because that's a huge part of fan fiction is that it makes it so tangible because the character already exists. You, you can't you can't unexist the character all of a sudden. There's a canon for most of these. 
And so if you look at yeah. a character like Sally, where her only trait is that she is the daughter of Slenderman, you're like, oh, I can work with that. I can write like a thousand words on Sally from Slenderman. And then suddenly mm-hmm. now you have a fic is where yeah. that comes from. Did you come across this term surgism? <sighs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm not surprised to know that such a term exists. What is that? So this is like like a branching sect of Slenderman fans. Where they, um, I'm going to predict they, they, ascribe, they ascribe to the OP first and foremost. Yes. Okay. So so Victor Surge is like credited as the creator of Slender. Credited. He is the creator he is of Slenderman. He made the original he made the original images. And so Surgeism is this idea within the fandom that the current like state of the fanon has deviated too far away from this unknowable eldritch entity and we need to get back to basics. Oh, None of this so proxies funny. Not, it's like stripping. It's like Dogma ninety five for film fans out there. We need to get back to basics. We need to get back to what made what made it pure. I was gonna say this is like the anti backrooms movement that's been going on. <laughs> yeah, where they're just like, I've had enough of these children. This was just a picture on B, and it needs to remain that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, remove the lore was basically it was that whole idea. So is it more of that? Like just take all the lore out of it. Slender yeah, purism. no, it's just going back to this idea of, like, Slenderman's just, like, creepy photoshopped pictures. That's it. Okay. There's no... He doesn't have a personality. He doesn't have a mansion. That's how I like him. Um, that's how I like him. Yeah. Um, so, we get into when Slenderman went mainstream with the game. Yeah. And the game really blew up. Do you think Slender the Eight Pages is good? <laughs> or was it... You just had to be there. I think you had to be there. I I didn't want to play it again. I didn't want to. I didn't want to look at any let's plays again. I just kind of wanted. I it played to... it again. Okay. Because it tell me this in the year of our Lord in the year of our Slender twenty twenty two, um, it had a remake. Oh. With all new assets, all new. So it's prettiness. less. It's it's less blocky. But the blockiness was kind of what made it scary. It was kind of like it was more analog was... horror a little bit. That's the th- yeah I forgot to bring this up in my notes like a big aspect of creepy pasta is it's very analog yeah and the thing about like the original slender being so low res mm-hmm. slow low quote unquote effort yeah is it taps into this idea of like a haunted game right. better than Sonic.exe does yeah absolutely even if he's the main I like the main character of the game he still it feels like he's infiltrated. The game, as opposed to yeah. being the big, bad, spooky thing in it. And so, how does it play? It it plays. It, it, it <laughs> It's just so hard to go back to the first one. It's like the edges are sanded off. And I mean, like, and when I say the first one, I don't mean the first Slender game. I mean the first indie horror game, find eight things while, like, while, like demon chases you right right like that is so that like change slender was like the first was like the original five nights at freddy's right where it changed the scope of indie horror absolutely like and i think that is like so important to slender man's prominence in the pop culture mm -hmm. is that it changed indie horror games more so than it even changed like creepypasta yeah absolutely because again it was just a picture it was just a picture so yeah. the game really created a piece of media that people could could interact with more than I was, uh, just photoshops. 
when I was drama club president, we had a, um, a, a, a late night pizza party on Halloween night. We did it like a charity drive for cans and then mm-hmm. had pizza in the school. And, and like slender. Th- some of the, some of the freshmen were like, Oh, can we, we should go around and distribute a bunch of slender notes over the school. What? And I was like, no, you're not doing that. That's the most freshman <laughs> idea I've ever heard in my life. I, I um, kind of adore it. That's adorable. And then you have Slender the Arrival. Right. Which, to me, is a step down. Because the issue of that lore starts creeping in. And also, the original idea of, like, Find Eight Pages works for, like, a 30-minute to an hour horror game. Mm-hmm. When that's, like, five different chapters mm. of, a like, a, a, a seven-hour game. Right. That really ruins it, particularly because, like like I said, they got the writers for Marble Hornets to come in. So they start adding in their own lore, like Slenderman now has proxies. He possesses yeah. you. Um, and the issue is Slender the Arrival had, like, five different updates that, like, expanded the story and game. <laughs> like, if you haven't seen a recent Let's Play of that game, it is unrecognizable from its original Ugh. release. Oh, I don't like change. <laughs> And then as far as mainstream, um, we got a movie. Yeah. We got a few. We've had a few movies. Yeah. Marble Hornets got a movie. Marble Hornets got a movie. I've heard it's decent. Um, But as far as like our big budget movie. Oh, man. What did you think of Slender Man? So Slender Man 2018. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So let me. Okay. I'll start off with saying. um. It looked like dog shit from the get-go. And, spoiler <laughs> alert, it was. So, to, to give you an idea, we have, we have, it's a girl cast. We have okay. Katie, Ren, Hallie, and Chloe. And they're best friends forever in their small town in high school. And one night, they're having a sleepover, and they decide to summon the Slenderman. <laughs> because the boys that they have crushes on are supposedly doing the same thing on the other side of town. And they're like, well, what's the Slender Man? And they're like, oh, it's a thing you can summon. There's like convenient internet videos. Now, so they've made him a they've made him a dark internet ritual. Yes. So, <laughs> I'm looking over my notes, and I'm obviously very upset from the beginning. I'm sorry. You summon Slender Man grudge style by strategically closing and opening your eyes during a random internet video. <laughs> That's how it works. Like there's a, like there's a page that's like how to summon the Slender Man, like pretty much like the blog post I read at the beginning of the podcast, and it like it has a link to a video, and you like have to open, like you have to close your eyes at a certain time, and then open your eyes at a certain time, and I'm like, what's stopping you from just summoning the Slender Man then? And so one of the girls. Um, she she opens her eyes at the wrong time or something like that. And of course it's our sad sad girl with the bad home life and the alcoholic dad. Um, okay. And they go on a field trip the next day and I swear to God she's like she comes up and she's like, oh my God guys, I didn't I, like I threw up twice this morning and I'm like, and you're at school. They go to some <laughs> I, I shit you not. their field trip is to like a historical graveyard the slender graveyard right and she goes she goes missing and the thing that makes me so mad and if you didn't know victor surge real name eric knudsen 
did collaborate on the film. Yes. He's like an executive producer. Also, he the writers from Marble Hornets. And the writers from Marble Hornets. And Katie starts getting like slender sickness, which is a which is a reoccurring thing yeah. in all these ARGs where you get slender sickness. And so she like that's obviously Before he before he kills you, he makes you fucking ill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm just like if you know the lore, because everyone watching the movie is going to know the lore, and you're looking and you're like, oh, she has slender sickness. And then there's an honestly cool shot where she's, like, looking frantically at the woods bordering the graveyard. And everything that's scaring her, given the filmic language of the sequence, everything that's scaring her is all banal. Like, it's like a bird mm-hmm. tweeting or, like, a tree rustling. And then it hard cuts uh-huh. and she's gone. And you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. How does Slender Man look? Because <laughs> the one, the only thing I ever heard about this movie is that like everything was dog shit except for the design. Because they the keep Slender him tall. Man. He's okay. tall. He does have a he does have a practical actor who plays him who's like six eight. Um, okay, I know for the Marble Hornets movie they got Doug Jones. I think it's the same is guy. It? It's Doug Jones. No, this says it's Harvey R. Botet. I am wrong. <laughs> okay. But it's, oh my God. What, where, where am I in my notes? It's so weird. Okay. So they go to, so, because he looks cool. He looks very evocative. We do see him like once during that mm-hmm. whole thing where it's like, oh, spooky in the background. And he, he, he's the guy. He's the guy. He's super yeah. tall. He resembles a tree. He blends in with the trees. It's like twilight outside. So it looks extra spooky. It's kind of dark. But, like, you have to recognize him because the girls just go to Katie's house and they're like, oh, where's her laptop? I bet the police took it for evidence. No, they didn't. It's in this closet. And they just (laughs) grab it, open it. But also on the desk are Slenderman drawings. Because, of course, there are. Just scrawled, childish Slenderman drawings. Um, is there the the X thing? Because that yes. pops up in a lot of the the X thing. The I think there's like a series. small one. But the thing is, is that they look up. Also, this is just a nitpick. Katie is her own desktop photo. That's weird. It's weird. But why they would you op- have that. Why do you have that? They open it up. They open up her laptop, and she has like a chat. She's in a chat room for Slenderman encounters because she's worried. And so, <laughs> uh, theoretically, so this much. is happening to like tons of other kids around the globe, right? <laughs> and so, if that's if Slender Man really set up like an angel fire page, <laughs> like this is this, uh, I know how to get the kids. You yeah. got to speak their language. You got to yeah. set up a dark internet ritual. Yeah. Oh my god! And it's uh. Like, they pull up all her internet shit, and it's like, she was watching Red Ring Slenderman videos. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so bad. Is it... it... So what are Slenderman's motives? Nothing. They don't he wants, really he wants to take He wants to take what you love, and he'll take you away if you want to go away. And Katie had a terrible home life, so she wanted to go away, and that was why he took her. Well, we may touch on that with the movie I watched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Um, oh, God. So they find out there was like a mysterious, there's a mysterious user that Katie was chatting with named Alley Cat, and we're going to get there. And 
The okay. girls start talking to her and they're like, our friend is missing. What do we do? And Alley Cat is super ominous and she's like, you have to summon the Slender Man. You have to offer him something you love. But there's like another ritual involved with this too. So it's like the girls are in the woods and they destroy things that are precious to them. Like like a baby blanket or... Mm-hmm other paraphernalia and then they have to blindfold themselves and stay blindfolded but then chloe doesn't keep her blindfold on she's like oh no shit's getting spooky and she takes off her blindfold and then like what do you know he gets her <laughs> are the kills good like how no they show... okay. no and i'm gonna tell you right now chloe's the one black character in the movie uh, and she's the one of the friend group that's like, no, I'm too scared. I'm going to take off my blindfold and get Slenderman sickness. Uh, and it's terrible. It's the, it's the single worst moment in the movie where her scare is so bad that it's just Slenderman in the corner. And like he grabs her and you're like, oh, that's scary. But then it's like a sustained shot of Slenderman in the corner strangling Chloe and then she, like, looks to the mirror beside her in the corner of a room for some reason and screams, which is really easy to do when you're being strangled. Yeah. That's that's her scene. After that, she's, like, out of commission for the rest of the movie. She's, like, slender sick, like, slender sickness out. She's not even dead. They, they don't even kill her. She's just, she's just cuckoo now. Okay. Like, there's, oh, my God. They apparently had to edit so much of the movie because of the event. Yes. Yes. I would imagine. The ending is terrible. Because it's like so, the main girl who's the super good girl, they completely fucked up the final girl thing. Okay. And Slenderman has like possessed her little sister. Oh. And so there's an, Is she is she Slenderman's daughter? No. So like he just absorbs her into a tree. <laughs> he just he just wraps his big his big old arms and tentacles. That that was a cool shot. There's some cool things that look really cool. Like the main character, she has this crazy nightmare and it's shot really well and it's done really well and then it's just applied to this terrible ass movie. And he just absorbs her into a tree and then there's like a fucking narration ending out of nowhere. There was no narration prior to this <laughs> over the entire movie. And it's her little sister. And like they make vague allusions. I think they're making vague allusions to the event because there's oh. like messed up people do messed up things and it's all just spreading his word. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. I'm like, bitch, that's rude. Why would you say that? (laughs) How would you feel if it had like a post credit scene where it's like the girl, the protagonist being like dropped on like a dusty wooden floor? No. You know what? 10 out of 10. (laughs) Other way around. Just full 180. No, 10 out of 10. Because right now I have it at a zero out of 10 for two reasons. And she... And she looks over and like sitting on like a, it's like is a dining Jeff room. Jeff the killer looking no, really it's, hot. No, it's Link. Ugh, it's Link. It's Ben drowned. <laughs> <laughs> and smile. And dog he looks at her reason. and says, "You just entered a wider world." <laughs> Stop. <laughs> at the end of this, I have it written as a zero out of ten for two reasons. No one was impaled on a tree. Which is Slender's thing. 
That is, is his. That's his thing. He impales kids on trees. That that's his oh, thing. Oh, I could have fooled me. That was supposed to be his thing. <laughs> I see. The other zero out of ten is that I was looking. I was brushing up on icebergs because icebergs I find are a very concise way of displaying information now, lore as far icebergs, as lore. Yeah. And so this name kept popping up on these icebergs, and the name was Alley Cat. Yes, you were going you were going off about this and I still don't fully understand. So, Alley Cat was the girl, of course, that Katie was talking to before she disappeared by the Slenderman. She was she was whisked away. Alley Cat uh-huh. is also the name of an ARG. A very deep uh-huh. cut. On all these icebergs, it's always like the lowest tier, like the the abyss Alley Cat falls into. Huh. And they try to like they, they try to obfuscate this a little bit. Like, they spell it weirdly differently in the movie, where they specify that it's spelled A-L-E-E-K-A-T, but it's actually just A-L-I-C-A-T. Bunch of numbers. This ARG is the stupidest, most <laughs> horrible... So this is an ARG spread, again, spread across Tumblr and YouTube. And Vimeo later on for reasons that I'll get to. Vimeo. Yeah, for reasons that I will get to. (laughs) So everyone was like, don't waste your time. It's terrible. Don't waste your time. It's terrible. And I'm like, stop tempting me. And someone said, you know the ending to ARG Lasagna Cat? And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. I know what that is. Yeah. So I was like, wait, stop edging me. This is getting worse. Tell me what's wrong right now. And so I look it up and there's a, there's a blog that you have to want to say, I just want to say anyone that's like not in the know listening to this, this is just probably, (laughs) I'm sorry. The lasagna cat ARG (laughs) ties into the slender man movie written by marble Hornet. If you're in the know, if you're not, this has to be fascinating, or at least I hope so. <laughs> so this is a bad idea. This was a terrible idea. This okay. So you look. Okay. This Explain ruined my day. The lasagna cat ARG. <laughs> We're not going to well, no, no, episode in relation on... to Alley Cat. So if you know what it is, great. If you don't know what it is, and you're squeamish, don't. <laughs> yes. Maybe a future episode. Maybe a future segment. I don't know. But if you know what that is, buckle up. Because that was the reference point that everyone was using. Don't waste your time. If you know the ending to Lasagna Cat, that's all you need to know. But people after that were just aggrandizing it more. Like, oh my god, I didn't believe you. But oh my god, that's horrible. So I was like, well, fuck. Now I have to. I have to know. So there's a blog with a mysterious... uh, Password. I just Googled the password because it's just like written into one of the comments of one of the YouTube videos. The blog is just entirely the idea that Slenderman and one of his proxies have groomed and kidnapped a... Okay, massive trigger warnings for just everything. Um, that ha- That Slender and a proxy have groomed and kidnapped a girl who has become an adult recently, keep her as a pet, only refer to her as it, and... Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. The password to the blog was kitten. 
to give you an idea of why this is gross and terrible and I hate it and I hate all of it and my skin is just crawling and I want to unzip it like a suit and go walking off into the street and forgetting that this happened. The ARG ends, assumedly, with a proxy bursting into Allie's home while she is getting ready for a date with her boyfriend, um, violently assaulting her for multiple videos. And then the part on Vimeo are the two ending videos where it is largely implied that she has been impregnated with Slender's offspring and then give and then self terminates graphically self terminates the pregnancy herself in a shower nude. Um, so when you said it's the lasagna cat ending, yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I okay, you weren't and picturing this all made. Was this all made for the movie or no. the movie just referenced? Like this? the character's name in the chat room is Alley Cat. And I'm like, what the fuck, Eric? This is the That's... fan content that you're going to reference in your mainstream movie? <laughs> I never came across that. Like I was looking at like the ARGs. It was like, oh, at one point. In episode 52 oh of Everyman God. Hybrid, he meets the main character from Tribe 12. No, this was such a, a deep cut. Episode. But this is, this is bizarre. It's so weird. Like, when I found it, I was like, what the hell are you thinking? Why? Who, just... who liked this enough to be like, we want that? It's just like, you can't... You can't... You the, can't the make content, up. The content itself is, like, I guess, abhorrent in how it ends. But it's also, like, again, it makes me nostalgic because it's like, you can't do that on Twitter. No. You can't do, like, a weird ARG on Twitter because it's weird to think of weird ARG characters having Twitter accounts. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, there... there's no crunch to it. It's all too slick. Like, are there, like, ARG TikToks? Yes. I guess there have to be, we, but we, is we it We can like get the into same? bizarre modern ARGs and how social media has warped the interactability. The yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just... And so immediately I was like, no, negative 10 out of 10. Oh my God, why did this movie happen? <laughs> and that's why I'm like, wow, I hope the documentary was so much better. <laughs> it's... All right, so I watched Beware the Swindlet Slender Man, okay. which is the HBO documentary. Um, so what this is, I had it pulled up, but then I had to look up Lasagna Cat. I'm sorry. Um, it's all right. So in 2014, uh, two 12-year-old girls, right. like this is real, this is yeah. a real story, two 12-year-old girls lured a friend out into the woods and stabbed her 19 times because they wanted to be Slender Man's proxies. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and the documentary is about that event, which throws some people off mm -hmm. that it's only a documentary about that event because they thought they were getting a documentary about Slender Man. <laughs> um, which is weirdly very entitled clear, of the people. <laughs> and it's very clear that like the two girls involved probably were dealing with some 
mental health issues, some yeah. difficulty discerning reality. Um, the one that actually did the act and was sort of the the one that was gung-ho about it is currently serving life in a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And she very recently uh, denied an appeal to shorten her sentence. Right. Um, so the documentary is kind of, like, most of it's about, like, the it, the police interviews with these girls. But, like, they touch on, like, what is Slender Man so the viewers know. Yeah, like, it's enough context, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like, the most interesting thing they touch on is, like, it's sort of a redux of, like, the Pied Piper story. Mm, okay. And a lot of the Slender fandom hates this movie. Why? For reasons that are... For reasons that are very confusing to me, and it mainly comes from the fact they don't like that they reference, I guess, the soft side of the fandom. What the I'm going to call it. Because they... they they try to connect a point that, like, Slen- why would someone want to be, like, Slender Man's proxy? And it's the idea that Slender Man is, like, this this comforting figure, much yeah. like Jeff the Killer. Yeah. And the point that got memed to, the scene that got memed to end and back is they have, like, a Google search bar and they type in, was Slender Man bullied? Oh, God. And they pull up, like, like deviant art, like, like hand-drawn comics of like Slenderman's origin story as like a bullied child. They pull up. This is actually very funny. Um, Sims two machinimas. <gasps> no. That are Slenderman's origin story as a bullied child. No. And they like oh play god. those with like somber music and like people talking over them. Whoa! Can, oh my god. And I can get to like if you're in it. Yeah. If you're in the Slenderman fandom. This would seem so silly and so misrepresentative. The thing is, when I was in high school, I thought that was Slenderman's origin story. Yeah. That's what I heard. It was like, oh, he like a popular girl asked him out, but she never showed up, and he stayed out in the rain until his face washed off. Oh. And now he, and now he hunts down like people that are are he's a, he's an avenging angel, uh, <laughs> a dark knight. The Jeff Killerification um, of Slenderman. It's like yeah, that's like. The only origin story I ever heard, because that was our relation to monsters. We live in a very sympathetic monster yeah, time. Yeah, we always horror. want to sympathize with the things that scare us. And so, like, I have I have no problem with that, but it's so weird. Like, like the writers from Marble Hornets did a live stream of them reacting to it and just shitting on the documentary the entire time, being like, what is this? And it's like, it's a documentary about a true... It's a true crime documentary. That's yeah. what it is. It's, it's, it's not true about crime your content. internet tall man. Yeah. Yeah, it's not about your internet tall man. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's a very good documentary. Mm-hmm. Like, in the end, it, like, it goes on pretty long, and it's very moral panicky about the whole slender man thing where it's like oh what are the what are the children being exposed to on the interwebs right um it's just and there are people being like oh well you know if those girls had really been a, a part of the true slender man community Boo. they would have known that it was all all fake uh, but it's like they're 12. it's so hard to do that yeah, but it's like it's so hard to do that because of this air that creepypasta has around it. Where yeah. it's like, no, you have to believe this is real, and that's what made it so hard researching any of these things. Yeah, because there are so many, as I said, like so many fan wikis trying to gaslight you into it, like looking up the origins at Slenderman as a story. Because yeah. when I type in Slenderman origin, 
I get like origin stories for the character. Right. Like, oh, like it's in all something awful. Mesopotamia. Yeah. Where it's like, God, for a second, can you turn off the persona and just like help me understand the history, the timeline here? Yeah. And that's just. And a lot of it, like, because these are all tied to ARGs, it's so hard to, like, experience the original, like, moments. Mm-hmm. Especially because a lot of those sites are shut down. Right. Yeah. Because they were all independently hosted, and recent ISPs can't handle that. If you're not getting, like, clicks on your page, why keep it up? Exactly. Um, like, even the original creepypasta forums had to migrate over to Fandom Wiki. Yeah. Because... They all had to be absorbed into a network that was willing to actually house or that they could adapt their material to sort of fit into this format with how so that like, would work. So getting back to the original question of this whole like experiment with these five, like the old guard of creepy pasta, where are they now? Do you think the answer is they've been commercialized? Like is is creepy pasta still itself or is it just a product now see i think it's at least with these characters i think flanderization is it's definitely a thing here Mm. um the internet has just taken these characters completely shaped them to fit their own needs and for a lot of fandoms that's such a needed thing like a lot when we say comfort characters even if it is something weird like jeff the killer something weird like slender man I don't know why Sonic Exe. <laughs> um, comfort characters are a really weird, are a really real thing for fans. It's yeah. it's something that again people get really possessive over, and they they ascribe to their own personal canons within us within a set of canons at times. And so I think it's just we'll never be able to. And I totally agree on this point you've brought up multiple times about the. Um, about be getting back to to OG OG internet times where we could just have because you can't you can't replicate that feeling a lot of in a, in a lot of ways now um, we can't capture that same magic because we know so much more we are so much more educated than we were even then and so i we do still have the characters the characters still exist Obviously, the way that we see kids interacting with the material, I think it is very apparent that part of that experience is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but it's now we li- now we live in a time where kids are asking, "Is the Slender Man real?" In the same tone of voice, where they're like, "Oh my God, guys! I just found out the Titanic actually happened." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's the exact same tone, and it's a little surreal. I think- I'm going to try to coin a phrase here that's not going to it's not going to feel right on the tongue uh Go the for it. thumbnailization <laughs> of a lot of these. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's so apparent cuz like it's so like when I was saying with um those those Candle Cove videos where mm-hmm. it's like Emerson Graves the creator the the producer of Candle Cove the show has a YouTube channel where he uploads creepy videos. Like that those videos have like how do i want to phrase this yeah it's so like i see all these cuz now i've watched a lot of creepy pasta like videos and prep for this now my like recommends are flooded with like <laughs> calling the boss baby at 3am <laughs> challenge yes things. yes and i think it 
I totally get what you're saying. Because the way that we take in media now is it is all entirely truncated into... I think this even ties back to, like, how things... Like, how do we prefer to be scared? You know, mm-hmm. in, in your report earlier of... I think we're just... We talk about instant gratification a lot in modern media. Yeah. But I think in the least boomer way possible, because I don't even think it's necessarily... I don't think it's necessarily a thing to demonize. I think it is just, it is, it exists. It's just the truth of how things are that in order to get attention, you have to have a stylized, eye-catching, instantly provocative it's that, piece of media. It's, it's the aspect of like the hustle culture. Right. I think is is something that's very prominent to the current state of the internet. It's not just that I can make like a successful creepypasta. It's like, I've got to make it, merchandisable yeah i've got to let people know that i made it so i can like get book rights and things right and so even if and it's like you know i you know i respect the hustle Mm -hmm. but at the same time i feel like i respect the person who's going on the candle cove wiki and uploading like an entire episode like a description of an episode yeah and being like this is now this is now part of the canon yeah and i'm not going to take any amount of credit for it because and it's like I, maybe it's just to me that's more gratifying being like i have left my mark mm-hmm. on the world i have not made money from this but something i've created lives on yeah yeah and i do think there's something to be said about that because like as much as we want to clown on like the fan fiction community it's only ever because you've written middling content <laughs> The yeah. existence of fan fiction, I think, for these properties really tells, is really telling of how much people do hold these things close. I'm definitely a proponent for fan content, for fan appreciation. It definitely yeah. shows how much, you know, how much staying power these properties really have now that they are properties. I think there's a huge difference between Slenderman Challenge 3am Reel on YouTube and... Mm-hmm you know, your 25 chapter fic about the Slender Mansion where yeah. all these characters live in a convenient single it's setting. It's like the level of, it's the level of sincerity. Yes. Like it feels very personal to the creators. Like you get like a little warm feeling, even if it's a puzzling fic. <laughs> like yeah. you're not like, you know, but at some point, like obviously there's a limit. Yeah. Everyone has a limit, like... but at the same time, I'm... Up until that limit, you know, I'm glad that this, that this, that you've gotten, that you've gotten gratification off of this. I'm always, yeah, always, like, if this podcast has a thesis statement, it's, I'm always excited that people are making things. Yeah. And the sheer scope of what people have made is so much deeper and wider than you will ever know. Oh, right. Like, particularly when we come to the internet. Like, like those fanon wikis. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I keep going back to that because this was boggling my mind. They're still getting comments. Yeah. And there are people, like, having arguments in the comments. And I'm like, God, have I really just gotten so used to social media is just, like, Twitter, Reddit, you know? And a thing that, like, sticks out to me on, like, one of the um, Slenderman wikis, like, one of the 15 wikis I found... There's, like, a person who made a comment, 
And there were several replies to that, like being, oh, my God, I haven't seen you post in forever. Yeah. And it's like it's, there are whole communities that I will not know about because I wasn't there. And, um, absolutely. And, and because I'm so social media poisoned. Right. Um, <laughs> we're all a bit jaded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that that more than anything gets to, like, the sincerity at the heart of, like, what creepypasta was. It wasn't owned by anyone that's yeah. the whole point you can make as many spinoffs you can make the you can make the scary boy sexy you can yeah <laughs> nothing nothing is off limits in terms of creation and i think that's a huge part of the appeal especially in that 2010s internet era absolutely so with that all in mind we're going to uh, dim the lights on on our mischief knife podcast. Yes, and and plug some people we know. Yeah, because hopefully uh, by the time the people are hearing this, we're actually associated <laughs> with the friends we're about to plug. Yeah, yeah. This is such a this is such a bad idea. We don't even have a name for it yet. Uh, yep, we're getting there. That's in progress. Um. But, like, we're on the Twin Geeks Network, so mm-hmm. listen to the Twin Geeks podcast. Absolutely. Um, it's hosted by Asia's other half, her, her dark, her shadow self. Her, her Jane the Killer. I was going to say my own, my own slender man. He is a very slender man. <laughs> um, and uh, where they go through different director filmographies each week. Uh, right now they're going through Robert Altman. I, they're still going to be going through Robert Altman. <laughs> probably by the time you listen to this. Um, I also host the Daydream cast. Um, by the time you hear this, we'll probably be having our uh, Halloween episode, which will be Castlevania 3. Ooh. Um, which I have never heard anyone talk about ever, except that it was <laughs> the foundation for the Netflix series. So oh. I'm, I'm mildly excited for that. Um, we also have Stacks Office Hours, just sort of the whole Stacks umbrella with Steven and Jack. Uh, entire... Check out their Patreon. They're the first ones to to try and get in that hustle culture about about these. Um, they have some very good benefits. I like listening to Steven react to Jurassic Park three. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also I'm thinking of spoiling things, which Steven also hosts. Um, along with Vaughn, who will probably his guest episode on the Daydream cast will probably be up by now. Ooh. Um, uh, most recently, I think they'll be talking about Blonde, but this is going up at the end of the month, so who knows? They may work in a different movie by then. They talk about contemporary releases, um, giving no shits about spoilers. They talk about the plots in as much depth as they choose. Do listener mail, go over other recent releases. It's a fun show. Yeah. And anything, anything you want to shout out, Fru? Is there, is there anything of your own? Uh, you know, it's it's a developing show, <laughs> and I think yeah, yeah, I think I think you touched on it earlier. The 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 mission statement was sort of for every good idea, there's a hundred bad ideas, <laughs> and bad is a subjective term, <laughs> and yeah. so I think these bad ideas are worth exploring. And maybe, maybe sometimes celebrating, maybe sometimes condemning. Um, but despite this being a bad idea, I do think that this was actually a very rewarding experience to set out on. But who knows what we're going to do in the future? I have lists. I have lists of oh, things there's, there's that, we lists. Could, that we could do. Uh, we're, 
This is just the pilot, but we have whole we have whole ideas. The, the tip of our iceberg. Mind. You know, I, I have you know, let's let's rank the American Girl Dolls' stories <laughs> <laughs> and how okay. um, historically respectful they are. You know? Okay, I, I may be able to contribute to that. My sister had some of those. <laughs> you know, I, we have um, we have various fandoms that we could talk yeah. about. Most of mine are all fandom related, except for one. Oh no! Did we get to know that one? Um, or are it's we about gonna... confront. It's about confronting some latent feelings I have with a show I grew up with. Oh no! But I don't want to say it on air because I know you'll immediately judge me because I've heard you judge me in the past. Oh no! <laughs> if... So I'll sneak that in where where applicable. Someday we're just gonna do an episode where we just air our dirty laundry. It'll just be a bonus episode of just things that we withheld. I I have no secrets. I aired all of my dirty laundry on the Daydream Cast Spore episode. <laughs> so if anyone wants to know where I'm coming from as far as the internet, you can all go on there and know when I talk about like niche communities getting way too up their ass about lore, I'm coming from a place of no <laughs> knowing, knowing where that was. You know, I I had one troubling heading on my notes for this episode that I'm really glad we never even got to. And I can leave it ominously there. <laughs> because that would have been too much dirty laundry for one first episode. Okay. But maybe in the future, if we are all good noodles and um, make appropriate sacrifices to the Slender Man. <laughs> all right. And so with that, I guess we're going to sign off our first episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it would have been a fine sign off where uh, you said there. We never talked about Slendy slapping that girl's fat, juicy ass. <laughs>